Good afternoon, and welcome to MGO Podcast. Welcome to Evgo Podcast 15.2. Uh, we we have to address the uh, Mel Tucker situation, so we do that in the first segment. Uh, if you just want to talk Michigan football, skip to section two. Guys, Michigan thirty-five, UNLV seven. But uh, some some bigger news has uh, come across the old transom in the last twenty-four hours. Uh, late last night, uh, Saturday night, ESPN released sort of a bare bones article saying that Mel Tucker had been under investigation for sexual harassment for about a year, and then USA Today dropped an absolute bomb. I'm cl- it's clear that they were r- almost ready to publish the story, and then ESPN kind of pipped them, but they have the documents that um, paint the picture. So the short version is Brenda Tracy, who has a nonprofit called Set the Expectation, who goes around to various campuses and talks to... Uh, college football players mostly, but also other athletes about the culture of sexual assault that has permeated sports from time to time. <clears throat> um, from time immemorial. Well, yes. yeah, well I, <laughs> but yeah, trying to choose my words carefully. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in any case, so she goes to Michigan State. She kind of has a relationship with Mel Tucker that Brenda Tracy thinks is professional and Mel Tucker thinks is not professional. In April of 22, there's a phone call where I don't remember how to say this on a family podcast uh, where he so just insinuates something. <laughs> he masturbates mm-hmm. on a phone call with Brenda Tracy. He claims it's consensual. Brenda Tracy claims it is not consensual. And um, in December of 22, she files a Title IX complaint with Michigan State. In January of 23, the investigator is pretty much done with uh, talking to Brenda Tracy's side of things, but Mel Tucker lawyers up, manages to delay the uh, his um, part in the investigation until March. And in his interview, he lies several times, saying that the phone call happened when he was in East Lansing. He admits to the act, um, and then he... I mean, this is I, this is the, maybe the craziest part of this crazy story. He says that Paula Levine, who is an ESPN investigative reporter, is investigating Brenda Tracy because she thinks that the gang rape story that kind of forms the basis for who she is and what she does is false. And so USA Today gets Levine on the record saying, neither Tracy's organization nor Tracy is or has been the target of any investigative reporting. I am perplexed that Mel Tucker would respond to a complaint of sexual harassment by involving me or ESPN. So this is, I mean, there's 74 firing worthy things I've already said. And, and worse. But yeah, I mean, 
the, so, the, the question of whether he's going to be gone is over. No, there's no question. Yeah. But so the report that they have is finished in July. Yeah. And I know Brymac has been posting on Twitter that because of the new Title IX guidances released in 2020, that you can't just ax someone before they have a hearing. His hearing is like in Michigan State's bye week in October. But you can put someone on administrative leave. Mm-hmm. And like the Mel Pearson situation, this is in an athletic department that gets a report that is obviously like, okay, this guy's fired. And then they just sit on it for months. And like, I guess in, Mel, in Mel's situation, it was a, a little more ambiguous. Mel Pearson. Mel Pearson. Yes. Oh, God, great. Yeah. In Pearson's situation, I guess it was more ambiguous. Yeah. Because this is like turbo firing for cause. Mel, right, Mel's situation is we think he lied to us. Right. And, then, and, and he that's had a fireable And he had a bad culture. And right. there are some people. And like, uh, it was not anywhere near this level. It wasn't like threatening a rape victim right. to, to that, like, with a BS story yeah. that. You know, to, to, to get her to like not reveal that he was sexually harassing her, and you saw the same thing with Northwestern, right? They had a report about the hazing in their program, and they were like, "Okay, we're going to suspend Pat Fitzgerald for two weeks in the middle of the summer," <laughs> and then it hits the media, and you know, Pat Fitzgerald gets the axe because he has to get the axe. So it's very clear that, <laughs> I mean, all right, so that's three Big Ten programs. Uh-huh. Then on top of that, you have Ohio State with the whole Urban Meyer thing, mm-hmm. where he's not turbo fired after the Zach Smith thing, mm-hmm. he, and after he does uh, resign, he he's like given a class at Ohio State about leadership. He is I, he is still a Ohio State person, right? To the point where people are even like suggesting he should take over for Ryan Day, and it's like fifty <laughs> fifty guys. Yeah, uh, Zach Smith, no. Oh. Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer. Okay. So that's you know four of the most prominent athletic departments in the Big Ten. You have Penn State with the whole Paterno thing. Mm-hmm. Although to, uh, that was a while ago. And to be fair, they have not had anything since then. Right. Um, hopefully, that was enough of a wake up call. Um, but if that's what it takes, good God! Like, is there any higher education organization in America that is not this sclerotic bureaucracy? that can't do anything right. My question is what what's going on in the other schools that aren't reporting these things? If it's <laughs> happening to every single Big Ten school. Like you're looking at UTEP and be like, what's under the hood, UTEP? I, I'm just saying that like there's a reason why we don't find mad cow disease in some countries and we find it in other countries, and that's because some countries test for it and some countries don't. Well I mean, just just going back to the Tucker stuff, like I I, I have no idea how you don't suspend the guy, like yeah, well, you they if, will right. I mean, at this point, they have to. But you get the report, you read the report, you see things that Tucker has admitted that means that he's not going to be able to be the coach of Michigan State anymore. Yeah, you suspend him then, right? And and then it looks like you actually did the right thing instead of. You were forced to do this because of Larry Nasser, and so you, if you screw it up again, your university ceases to exist. So you went through the motions, and you got the report, and you're like, eh, it's fine. Like, I wish I could say I was surprised by that. <sighs> I, 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 I am not as um, well-versed in what goes on at Michigan State as I am at Michigan and how things operate and who gets to make decisions and whatnot. And all of my guesses are probably going to be 
co- biased by the fact that I am a Michigan fan, not a Michigan State fan, and I have, I'm very hesitant to say what I think was happening because what I think was happening is probably not near. Well, not as far as the the higher ups, I, there's got to be some sort of explanation, right? Like some sort of legal reason that, like you know, if they put him on leave, they I have mean, to say why, know. and therefore it's. Uh, telling people what's going on. Because an interesting thing is that there's tweets from Brenda Tracy from three or four years ago Mm -hmm. where she's talking about Tom Izzo. Mm -hmm. And she's like, Tom Izzo will not have me address his team. Tom Izzo, uh, I had a conversation with him that was just replete with victim blaming. And who did Michigan State roll out in the Central Michigan game to provide a hagiography for Mel Tucker against Central Michigan? Right. Tom Izzo. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's clear the way that he's run his program that he doesn't care. Yeah. Like, we, we know that sexual crimes have been committed under Time Izzo's watch repeatedly. That he under-responded to. And he does not care. Yeah. So, and who's the most important person at that university? It's Tom Izzo. Like, they don't have a president. Their interim president was asked if she would apply for the full-time job, and she said, No. <laughs> No, I will not. He's also the most visible person at that university and has been for decades. Right. And yeah. the athletic director is like the hand-picked Izzo puppet. Uh-huh. You're coming off the season that you're coming off of. You're looking at what you're looking at. Yeah. It doesn't even make sense from the most cynical point of view where it's like, what? we don't care about anything except what's good for Michigan State football. Firing Mel Tucker for cause looks like the best <laughs> thing they could possibly do. Yeah. Um. But they just want to circle the wagons. And that's not unique to Michigan State. We've seen that. Humanity does that. Yeah. I mean, we've seen seen a lot at the Ann Arbor Public Schools. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Which is currently undergoing a scandal of circling the wagons and a lack of accountability. So I just don't think, I mean, it's obviously not just one school or one anything, but... That's kind of what I believe. I believe this stuff's been going on for years at other places. And threatening women who are going to expose you has been going on for a long time because we we hear these stories years and years later. And it's just this has been part of the culture that has not changed everywhere. And athletics, I think, is probably worse than the general culture. And the general culture is not fixed. I'm guessing what's happening here is that we're spotting it now because people will actually – Brenda Tracy is not going to sit back. And like, not know who to go to. That's the other thing. Is like that you have to you how how stupid <laughs> do you have to be to bring in someone who is a sexual assault survivor? Yeah. To educate your team about the aftermath of of what this does to a person, and then to I mean you're in a working professional relationship with this person, and to ha- have any sort of relationship that goes beyond that, consensual or not. Yeah. Is insane. Yes. I, I And you're married. <laughs> and you got two kids. And now your your two kids there's a there's a report out that they're they're going to end up reading that <laughs> you know you don't you don't want that's that's bad. Yeah. So bad. It's bad. <laughs> I mean, he's turbo fired and we're not going to see him again in college football probably. Like Except it's like he's going to be an analyst at Alabama or something because there's always a landing place, I guess. But there shouldn't be. Yeah. Bart Bryles was on the field. This like he he was on the field after what, was it Oklahoma one or something? I don't I remember don't where he is right now, but he was on the field. And it's like, what are we doing here? Why is there no account? I mean, this is getting into more than college football. Yeah, we're 
like why why is why is there not a single organization it seems in this country where people are accountable for their actions but in any case uh mel tucker is turbo fired um and i guess we can kind of move on to briefly address this is not very important but we do like michigan football so this probably changes the vibe around the michigan michigan state game this year yeah, who knows? It's it's, it's what, not going to be batteries. plus away, so we'll see. I mean, he's, I'm not I'm not holding my breath for anything like that until we get. Is the, wait, wait, is the year before or after the Michigan Michigan State game? It's October fifth and sixth, so that'll be before because Michigan plays Michigan State on the twenty first. But he's not going to be on the sideline starting now. There, there's like, no there's no way there's no way. But I, I mean, now they do it. But that, but they do it now because it came out in the in the press. But like that's they couldn't what do it before. Did. Like that's, I mean, that's that's how we get accountability these days. Is we leak stuff to the press. You're not allowed to talk to the press, Seth. Thank God for the press. <laughs> I will not be held accountable. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm reporting it right now that you showed up to. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Actually, David was the one that was latest today. All right. That's enough of this. We're going to take not alerted as to when this was going to happen. <laughs> we're we're going to take not a be shifted. We're going to take a break. Talk about some actual football on the other side. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, trying to collect sizes and payments for a family union, or, you know, ordering a whole bunch of shirts with your Kickstarter, Underground Printing is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with their easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing people down to pay, wasting time trying to sort out the order. They'll set it up. You can just sit back and relax. They'll even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit them at any of their convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, Certified Financial Planner, Founder and President at Peak Wealth Management. Check us out at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. When you're watching the game, everyone knows what the score is. But you might be at halftime of your career. Do you know what the score is? Are you winning or do you need to play catch up? If you're behind in the second half of your career financially, we may need to run a hurry up offense like John Navarre in the 2003 game at Minnesota or run a three-quarter court press after a made free throw like Coach Howard likes to call. My team of CFPs at Peak Wealth Management are here to help you understand what the score is and what you need to do to win. Your spreadsheet doesn't tell you the score like we can. If you're going to spend all your free time watching replays of the 2021-2022 Ohio State games on repeat, you need to outsource your financial planning and investing with us at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. At Peak, our goal is to help you retire with peak confidence. It can be a rough ride along the information superhighway. That's why we build our e-commerce websites tough enough to handle the load. With the capacity to take hundreds of simultaneous online transactions and the stability of load-balanced, co-located server architectures, a website from Human Element performs in the roughest conditions. Thousands of products, 
No problem. We'll throw in the tools to manage it with precision and efficiency. All with a design slick enough to make you think your girlfriend might be impressed. So load it up and hit the gas and let Human Helm show you the way. Special offers available for returning lessees. Financing available with approved credit to qualified buyers. Client participation may affect savings. Optional equipment available at additional cost. See human-element.com for details. Seth, would you like just an unreasonable amount of cheese? Uh, no. What? No, I like a, like a, a regular amount of cheese. I do not like to over-cheese things. Well, then don't get the tater tots at Venue's Tailgate. Because <laughs> we got the tater tots, and I'm like, this is an unreasonable amount of cheese. And unlike you... You like a lot of that's cheese. That's what I want. You, an unreasonable amount of cheese. I, I, I like just the right... Well, if you're going to give me the cheese separately... Like, you got the tater tots, and then there was, like, a, a bunch of cheese. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. We were at the tailgate this uh, Saturday, and Chef that did not disappoint. Two different kinds of brats. Yeah. Some, some chicken wings, some some tater tots, the, the, the beer, the drinks. A lovely outside location just next to the stadium. So if you're heading up for a game on Saturday, any Saturday with a home game, you should check out Venue. All right. As previously stated, Michigan... 35, UNLV 7. Before we get started, we'd like to thank our sponsors. Thank you to Underground Printing for making this all possible. Check them out at ugpmichiganapparel.com or check out our selection of shirts on the mgoblogstore.com. We would also like to thank our associate sponsors, Peak Wealth Management, Homeshare Lending, Ann Arbor, Elder Law, Michigan Law Grad, the Phil Klein Insurance Group, Signal Wire, Human Element, Winewood Organics, The Nosebleeds, the Scarborough's reboot of Cheap Seats on USC Fight Pass, and Venue by 4M. Where are we recording currently? Okay. So, obviously, the headline for the second consecutive week was J.J. McCarthy playing out of his goddamn mind. <laughs> or maybe not. Maybe this is just who he is. I mean, th- maybe that's who he is, but he was still playing out of his goddamn mind. Wait, wait, wait. There were checkdowns. There, there were checkdowns check when yeah. he could have, like, attacked deeper. He okay. was not Disagree. 100% perfect. Disagree. He was not perfect. There were things out there. There was more yards that he could have okay. had, Okay, great. <laughs> I don't know that those are available. So for the second straight week, we can we can individually evaluate all of his incompletions. Right. <laughs> One was bad at the line of scrimmage when he was trying to hit a slant and there was a blitzer who was completely unblocked. That he hit himself in the face with as he walked back to the line because CJ was open and he was like mad as he was leaving, going to the sideline. He's like, come on, hit himself in the face. After hitting the, the defensive player in the face. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. So uh, I think he was like taking complete ownership for that one. The second one was a corner route to Roman Wilson, which was too high. Unfortunate. Uh, uh, the one by the sideline? Yeah. I mean, it was well covered, too. It was well covered, but there is a window there. It's pretty small. Well, yeah, but he didn't hit it. Okay. It wasn't incomplete. Yeah. It was incomplete. And then the third one. Was uh, Frederick Moore didn't stop? Yeah. I, there was just a miscommunication. Or And also, I feel like uh, Barnhart was kind of getting bowled back into him, so he didn't 
he was just like, I got to get rid of this. That might have been an intentional throwaway. Like, I think yeah. Fred Moore was supposed to stop there. Yeah. But when he saw Fred Moore was not stopping, he was like, all right. Yeah. And that's it. Those are the incompletions. The other thing about that is I went through and looked at each of the throws, and I didn't think any of the completions were, like, bad throws, right? Like, because we had a couple last week that were – one of them was a little behind. He is hitting some windows, man. I mean, so the first third down in this game, UNLV is like, all right, we're going to drop eight. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. And he looked at probably five or six third and medium, mm-hmm. and UNLV – dropped eight probably three four five times on those plays and not only did he complete those passes he completed them over the middle yeah yeah but he also moved around in the pocket well and he moved the guys around the 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 one where i was just how the heck did he fit that in there when you watch the replay he's staring down the linebacker flicks his eyes quickly over to the tight end and then as he flicks his eyes the linebacker runs after the tight end and he throw and he, he fits it in there and it's just like which he did last week too yeah there was that conversion to wilson where the guy's covered because they have a flat corner it's like yeah it's not open and then he just stares at loveland zip zap zoop and, and it's conversion and then there's a better throw the the, the throw to what roman wilson that the the cornerback thinks he's got the interception. He's locked. He's, he's got. He's got his eyes locked on the cornerback. He's moving him again. The cornerback figures out what's happened to him and actually starts drifting back, thinking he's going to get an interception. And he throws it so hard, it goes past that guy's hand. That was Cornelius Johnson. Or Cornelius Johnson. I'm sorry. Well, the yeah. out route to CJ in that little window was his best throw. I mean, you could make a, a case. That was, that, I mean, that was a frozen rope that he just fit into against the zone. That but there's the 47-yard touchdown where he lays it straight in there after moving up in the pocket. And Yeah, that's a nice play, too. But this one was like standing in the pocket. You get your little window, and it's just like pinpointing like with the mouse. And you're like, I'm going to start my graphic there. And he just puts it there. Well, there were also a couple of throws where Michigan runs play action and sucks up the UNLV linebackers. And... The UNLV linebackers are turning their back to to McCarthy because they got to get back in position. McCarthy sees this and he throws past the linebacker who's not looking at him. And I'm just like, he sees it all. Yeah. <laughs> now, one thing is, is he's not really been pressured this year. I mean, there have been a couple of plays where he's had to move around and all that, but I mean, he hasn't had to like. Okay, you remember the play in the Georgia game where the guy's coming off the end and he actually has to make a super athletic NFL move to get away? I'm like, not, there's nothing in that I'm real not range. sure I agree with that. Okay. Because last week we had that seven-man blitz where he motioned Loveland in to be an extra blocker, and then he drifted left in the pocket to give him enough time. Right. And then we had a similar incident in this game where there's – Guys coming through because they're sending the house, and he I think he drifted right this time just to give himself that extra beat to, to get the ball out. And we saw him move up in the pocket, escaping pressure three four times in this game. His presence has been good, and he's sort of felt it and moved around, stepping up into like those windows between the edge rusher and the tackle and all of that. I just meant like it's not like you're getting careening blitzers coming off the edge that he's got to like juke in the backfield type stuff. He is get there is pressure in some sense, but it's not stuff that like you're hoping he makes a massive play on. He's learning his presence. I mean, that's the Brady thing, right? Not the best athlete all the time, but like his pocket presence and the way that he moved guys around, he just, it always felt like he wasn't under pressure. And that's that's a little bit that, of JJ. But what you're seeing, that 
that the feel that he's not under pressure yeah. is not necessarily great blocking. Well, he's moving guys around. He's setting the protections a lot of times. He was he he comes up to the line a few times in this and sees a blitz ahead of time and sets the protection. I think he only got that wrong once, and that was when he got the guy in his face. Right. And I think that the mistake there is he meant to put Corum to the left. Yeah, Corum uh, runs like a flare screen. Right. And he, so he needed to get Corum to stay in the protection for that. Right. So that wasn't even the pass. It was the mental pre It was the protection that he like, didn't yeah. set right uh, yeah. for this himself. Is, this yeah. this, uh, this uh, portends a very gross thing where I might have to give J.J. McCarthy a protection minus in UFR. <laughs> <laughs> and then I have established that precedent, and it's like, now i got to be like, all right, is that the quarterback setting the protection wrong every time? And I don't know. Uh-huh. It's, it's impossible how, to know. How could you chart that? I mean, that's, exactly. So you can't but now that. I've decided that we need to chart it. And, well, Brian's like, you know what? I need more work. You know what? JJ knows what he's doing out there. Why don't we just have him chart it during the game? <laughs> He'll just like, you know, that send was, you a that signal. Be, cool. be like, you know, plus that was, that was, that was a two, Brian. That was a three. This one's on me. That was me. Minus, minus one. one. On my, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe, that's, maybe when he hits his helmet, that's when we're like, all right, that's a protection minus for JJ. Yeah. Yeah, right. we, we've we've definitely gone into the insane weeds with this. All right, uh, do we have any other McCarthy takes? I mean, he ran the ball twice in this game. I mean, that's that's not really a, a McCarthy thing. That's like a, they're a let him run the ball, which I think we we're all a little bit surprised about, and B. But he's I, still really good at it. I think it's I think it's a good thing. The draw call was phenomenal. I mean, yeah. they're dropping eight guys, and you get the. The edges up the field, and you allow your tackle or your guards to get downfield. He waits. He doesn't jump on that. Like sometimes on draws, you see people, you see go quarterbacks, like yeah. just go because they're excited. He waits, sells it, and then what do you get? Like he got like 12, 15 yards on that run. Yeah, yeah. and, takes and a then, shot then, the set, leg at and the end. then yeah, that was. But then that's the one that sets up the the first Wilson touchdown behind behind CJ, where he cuts, fakes the out, cuts inside, walks in. Yeah, and. You know, on TK uh, a couple weeks ago, we were talking with Sam about Kirk Campbell mm-hmm. and his effect on what the passing game is going to look like. He said it was going to be more sophisticated, going to have some more doodads and bells and whistles and whatnot. And I think we saw that in this game. So the Wilson touchdown is a great route pattern that lifts one of the zone defenders because CJ goes right through that zone. Mm-hmm. And then you can tell that the defender thinks it's a hitch. Yeah. Because... You know, Wilson breaks down with those hitch steps, and it's like, all right, I gotta go tackle this guy. And then all of a sudden, he breaks the inside. And I'm, I haven't UFR'd this game, but I'm gonna bet a dollar that that was set up by previous Roman Wilson routes. Mm-hmm. And so you get the catch and run in the red zone for an easy touchdown. And there were a couple other incidents where you saw wide receivers clearly use option routes. Yeah. So there was there was a Loveland one where he he broke out and then came back in. Um, these are usually called stick routes when it's a tight end for some reason. Uh, <laughs> we don't need to go on there. They're option routes. Yeah, the option routes. Yeah. So, so we didn't really see a whole lot of that last year. No, um, I barely any. I think in 2021. So that's that's a new development for Michigan where they're letting the receivers read the coverage and go where they feel that they should on underneath stuff, and then JJ is right there with them. Yeah, Tyler Morris did one too. I think on one of the yeah. third mediums, uh, or maybe Tyler Morris was just running the route and just fainted inside so well that the guy jumps it and so really the only thing we haven't seen from him so far this year is a true deep ball well and so alex i was glad you brought that up alex tweeted about that yesterday and we talked briefly about it and 
you know, I was so I started looking for it because it was probably like late first, early second quarter, and I was like, all right, that's one thing I'm going to keep an eye on. And I think that McCarthy was like trying to look for some of those, but UNLV mostly just took that away, and they bracketed deep guys, and he just came off of everything and and hit guys underneath, and and that's kind of the thing that you really want to see because it's your third, your fourth reads, you know, wherever you're going through them. He hit checkdowns, and I have multiple that I wrote down for checkdowns describing throws, and like that's being in control of the whole offense, right? It's not like the one read or just like, well, I think I got it, so I'm going to force it. It's I'm going to go through the progression. And if there aren't deep balls available, I don't want him throwing deep balls. Like, why, why well, chuck yeah, it in? And the first snap is a perfect example of that. So Michigan runs play action, and they flood the, the right side of the field. And deep ball covered? intermediate balls covered so he checks down to quorum for 20 yards and right i mean that's the, that's a win i mean how, i mean brady made a living throwing the running backs for a for a while of his career i mean that's that's part of what the defense gives that, you the you don't know they gave way too much on that their linebackers drop back to like 15 yards on yeah, that well, one <laughs> but that's when you were able to hit those dig routes like he was able to hit in this game mm-hmm. those linebackers are going to lift like crazy mm. yeah because they're like oh oh god the deep middle is is an ocean i must cover <laughs> and and that's we we saw the conversion to um, Edwards mm-hmm. on like a third and eight or something. Yeah, where the linebacker lifts so yeah. so much that he gets a little five yard pass turns it into fifteen. Yeah. Um, Speaking of which, that's stuff they need to do with Edwards, like get him in space like that. Yeah, and it's a. Uh, I mean, can you imagine a better guy to get a five yard pass you. to? I'm telling you. So, I mean. Superhuman performance through the first two weeks, and I'm curious to see whether JJ will break the plus twenty <laughs> in the first game. I haven't been doing plus minus grades for quarterbacks for for a while. Yeah, so we just started that a couple years ago. But I mean, just in terms of quarterback performance, I have never seen anything like this to start a season. I, I think when you came in today, I said to you, "That's this is the greatest quarterback of my life." For Michigan, obviously. And, you know, Tom Brady was not Tom Brady when he was at Michigan. Right. And he was splitting time. Well, and there was I mean, a lot I, of other things that were. Drew Henson in 2000 was incredible. Tom Brady wasn't Tom Brady at Michigan because of one guy, Lloyd Carr. <laughs> His offensive line was injured as heck in, 20, well, so, in 1999, but, too. I mean, you remember that, that Orange Bowl, right? Yes. Where very well, <laughs> <laughs> and like individual plays. <laughs> so so back back in the day, uh, uh, Wall Street was he a Wall Street? Uh, Warren St. John uh-huh. wrote a book called Rammer Jammer Yellow Hammer. I, I know what you're going which at is, here, which yeah. is about that season for Alabama football. And you know, one of the things he says about Alabama football is like going this year. We knew we had a lethal front seven, but our secondary was shaky. <laughs> and. I, I'm reading this after, like years after this bowl game, and I like had to. I threw the book across the room because <laughs> Michigan spent that whole first half just running into the teeth of the line, and they had yep. David Terrell on <laughs> on like a five foot six guy. I know, and yeah. I, I just spent the whole game saying throw it to Terrell. So I submit that if Tom Brady was in 2023, he'd probably look about like this. But that's what we're talking about. Well, and I, I mean, I've always asked Craig. Okay, you've watched football longer than. Well, anyone or Michigan football longer than anyone I've known who's the closest comp. And he's like, well, Harbaugh. And he's like, I mean, Harbaugh at Michigan was really, really good. Now he was in a different offense and probably didn't have all the stuff that JJ has now. But like, that's just the kind of type of player Harbaugh was. And like, other than him, I don't, I mean, maybe back a long time ago, but like since college football has remotely been close to what it is now, there's just, 
that's maybe the only guy. That was my comp for his recruiting your profile, by the way, was Jim Harbaugh. Well, good job. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but I mean, that's because I mean, because he, he's a runner and he like thinks the game. Well, but the thing is, is like his recruit, his reputation as a recruit was not nearly what we expected. Because it was like, you know, True would say like, oh, well, he can move around in the pocket a little bit, but he's not really a dual threat. Uh, no, because once you got into once you got into that, there were a lot of dual threat stuff. It was IMG just not let their quarterbacks run because they don't want to get sure. Like, yeah, that's not what they're. No, yeah, what but they're, and and yeah. so, but if you went back to his sophomore year, um, he well, was run like crazy. I don't think anyone was expecting necessarily this. Yeah, I mean, not for him to be such a run threat, but also, but like the main things were just he's so calm. He sees the game. He lives and breathes and eats football. Yeah. And he's just – he's a, a natural leader. He's a likable guy he's that a, like – He's a joyful player. Yeah. But he also just sees the game. And what we're seeing him do this year, which we were not – even when you were charting him off the charts like against Hawaii last year, it was not like he was seeing the field so well. It was like those throws are incredible. Yeah, he's well, just making the throws. I would, I would dispute that a little bit. Okay. Because I remember early last year looking at – what he was doing and be like, he is moving safeties. Mm-hmm. So there was like a, a touchdown against, uh, I think Hawaii or UConn, I don't remember, where he stares down the dig and the, the deep safety comes up and then bang, it's over the top. And I didn't really see that as the games went along. Like mm-hmm. that kind of that ability to manipulate the defense didn't show up as much. And I don't know why. Maybe just defenses got tougher. He had other stuff to do. I mean, he was fine last year. He was good last year. And you remember that Ohio State game when he was a freshman, right? Mm-hmm. They gave him a package of plays, and he just executed all of it. Yeah. <laughs> As a true freshman against Ohio State, the moment was not too big for him. And I think his calmness, like c- certain people are just nails in a pressure situation, and I think that's him. Um, and we, we've we seen that against Ohio State. I guess the TCU game was a little bit iffy, but, you know, he almost brought Michigan back in that game. And, yeah, it's going to be a conversation. Like, J.J. McCarthy is going to be in the conversation for best Michigan quarterback of all time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, all right. We should probably talk a little bit about the other quarterbacking because there was a little bit. I mean, and the, and the rest of the offense. Well, other we'll people get in, to yeah. that, too. <laughs> well, if you're going position by position. Yeah. The surprise was there was no Alex Orgy in this game. I could only assume that he's dinged up or something because Jaden Denegal has not been talked about. Yeah. In the well, I mean, at all. Warren has a spectacularly bad interception yeah. on, a, on, yeah. a, on a read. I, and I then, got the sense that this was supposed to be like, you know how they're supposed to switch out the tackles. And I think this was like a competition for number two, for QB two. Well, they bring in Tuttle first. Right. Yeah, and this is supposed to be Tuttle's game. Shot. And then he gets you know, knocked out. I, I mean, his run looked pretty nice. Though. I mean, he moved for it. I was, I, I, I've looked at that play a ton and I don't necessarily think that was on script. Like, cause there's a guy. Who, like he pulls it because of what he sees. He pulls it because the running back is about to get eaten. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, uh Oh, <laughs> and he's like, oh, I gotta go. But then he runs away from a guy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's not like he's like slogging up the sideline. That was definitely a, a first of all, Michigan with their backup quarterbacks always run zone read. Well, yeah, it's like when we're, uh, Dylan McCaffrey got in the game, we're like, oh, here we go, exactly, <laughs> exactly, sixty yard run against Wisconsin for no apparent reason. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that, and then there's also you know um, he was doing it all the, sp- the entire spring game. He had like more zone reads than he had passes. Well, That's I mean, true. if Jack Tuttle ends up playing quarterback for michigan 
you're going to see a lot more zone read because Jack Tuttle is not J.J. McCarthy. Right. So you're going to have to try to move the ball in whatever way you can. So that makes a lot of sense. And then Denegal did have a nice deep throw, I he thought. Did, yeah. I, the, on the offsides? Well, yeah. When yeah. I Because when live, I was like, oh, I don't know if that's a good throw. And I went back and looked at it this morning, and it actually was. Like He put it where he needed to put it, and, and Morgan made a nice adjustment. That was his that was, okay, about, that was his scouting report. He was John Navarre. We're definitely in Tom Moore territory here. Yeah. <laughs> where if, if uh, Peyton Manning goes down, we're fucked. If we don't practice, fucked. Right. I got the reference. And, yeah, All right. Yeah. So let's talk about the wide receiver core. Another strong game. We saw the emergence of Tyler Morris, mm-hmm. uh, who I think in the season preview, I was like, just let this guy convert all the third and sevens. And like, Ta-da! <laughs> oh, he looks inside and that, that poor cornerback is just, oh, no. And it's just like a whip. It's just and, and J.J. is right on the same page with him. Yeah. And. I, I I'm gonna I'm calling my shot. I think he got the block of the game. Oh, Morris, no. uh, Morris did. He didn't. Oh no no, because you're right. There's the, there's the dude who just gets donkey. Yes. There's, yeah. It, it was it was hinted. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that guy. Yeah. All right, but he he gets a real. He gets I think a, he gets the non OL block he gets, of the game. He gets because he has the guy set the the cornerback thinks he's got him and he just all of a sudden jumps inside of this guy and kicks him out and it creates all sorts of yeah and that that was that was excellent um but it was a little unusual because there were a number of plays in this game where wide receiver blocking was again a problem yeah Uh that was going to bring that up i thought that like from a pass catching standpoint the wide receivers played really well from a blocking standpoint, there were at least two plays that CJ just completely whiffed, yep. and yeah. Roman Wilson just comp- just stopped short of a guy who he was supposed to hit on a Donovan Edwards run that looked like it might go somewhere. And we need we need to get Martavius Owens uh, yeah. as an analyst. Just be like, <laughs> come on, guys, the, yeah. the, the, throw your body. At the somebody. frustrating thing about the CJ ones is like, you know, one he's he's big enough to block, and. Two, they weren't like, you know, I tried really hard and the guy just beat me. It was like, uh, I'm either slow or I didn't really want to or there, it this just seemed a bad very, angle. it just seemed very, I don't know. It didn't, he didn't look inspired in to, to, to attempt to like, yeah, fulfill what he was supposed to do. seniors. Because yeah. like, that's the, well, that's like, the love line. what's supposed to be happening. Wilson's like, small. I, I, a lot of it for him is just size. And when he bumps into a guy and may I don't know, maybe it's okay that they do this against UNLV and they're not going to do it against Ohio State. But the CJ has never been a very physical player, despite being large enough to be one. Yeah. And Roman Wilson, I've seen him try to do it before, and he'll he's he's not Odoms. He doesn't get low. He doesn't actually no. like affect guys. He bounces off well, somebody. He's six that. foot, and Martavius Odoms is probably five eight. So there's like. Advantage. I would to say Roman Wilson's probably five eleven. Okay, what, what, did, what did you what did you call uh, Odom's mountain goat? He's a Is little that, mountain goat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And or you know, like Vincent Smith, just be like, come on, I know we can make this work, guys. Vincent Smith like was compact though. That's Roman true. Wilson is not compact. Yeah. Roman Wilson's Roman Wilson's fine. You can have a guy the way he's playing out there is fine. You're right that he misses a couple of those, but like he's it's mostly physicality for him. Cornelius Johnson, it should not be a physical issue as a fifth-year senior. And I don't know. think it is. 
I mean, the the two blocks. I well, mean, it wasn't like he got out muscled. He just like the Loveland didn't get one. there. So like, that's they, what I mean. Yeah. So the Loveland they run out and end around a Loveland, which, which is, works. The whole thing works except right. for one block. Right. And the whole thing is like, okay, let's show everybody how Brock Bowers he is, and it was going to be there, and it was going to we were going to get the play that they were looking for. Except for Johnson, he just kind of like lollygags his way to the cornerback yeah. and doesn't I, get I mean, anything I, out of him, and then he's just like, oh, I'm well. A, I'm a little hesitant to call it lollygagging. I think what it might be is a little bit of uncertainty. Well, that so could like, be. So, like, he's setting up, and he he's like, all right, I got to block this guy, and then the cornerback takes an angle that he doesn't expect, and he just kind of olays him. But he's a little late, though. I know. I mean, you want him to be more aggressive, but when you're trying to block a guy in a lot of space, often it just looks timid. Because if you do try to get too aggressive, what happens is you just go flying by. Yeah. yeah. So sometimes when you're not getting blocks as a wide receiver, it looks lazy. But what it really is is just you don't know what you should be doing, what angles you should be taking. Mm-hmm. And I guess on a jet sweep to Colston Loveland, I can buy that being a, like a oh, I didn't really expect that to happen. Like I didn't expect the quarter to do what he did. That's I guess that's my. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying like he's consciously saying, "Oh, I'm not going to hit this guy." Yeah, but he's, yeah. He, no, but he's not. He's not out there playing as physically as you need to. If your running game is going to be based off, it's going to be like messing with safeties the way that Michigan's is. Yeah, and defensive backs are going to be part of the uh, part of the attack. That's the way that we we like to bring everybody in. And Ronnie Bell was so good at that last year, and I think you're seeing what non Ronnie Bell does to that kind of attack. Well, it's possible you should move away from that because with JJ playing the way he is, mm-hmm. you know, the additional whatever you get from using a wide receiver as a tiny tight end, maybe if you split that guy out, yeah, you know, guy gets a bracket or just runs a guy off. Like that's one thing that I thought when I was watching that that end around is like why is CJ not running a route? Yeah. Like just yeah. run a deep cross or something like well, that. Well, so you run the route and then you run the slant and then you pick off the safety and then the corner has to replace. And that's a situation where you could get a two for one if the corner is not smart about it. And you have you have JJ just going crazy. So mm-hmm. they're probably thinking, oh, what if it's a pass? Yeah. So there are ways to kind of work around the, the fact that you've got some issues with your wide receiver blocking. And I, I imagine we'll see them. Um, <clears throat> they He did have that nice uh, end around run, though. Like when they ran that little yeah, yeah. The, they brought the yo-yo back mm-hmm. where they they they're pulling Colson Loveland and then all well, Colson Loveland's like whoops going the other way yep which worked uh, really well last year a few times and I, I think we'll see it down the road again this is not don't throw this on the com- the Cornelius Johnson complaint pile but I was hoping when he got down there that he was gonna f- like hurdle a fool sure. I haven't had a hurdled fool this year and that was like a perfect opportunity for a hurdled fool it's and too it late happen. in the game for that like yeah. ah, <laughs> done with that stuff yeah <laughs> um, so I guess we should we should turn to the ground game which was not exactly what you'd want um, um, I, UNLV did start bringing guys down at times and they, they did str- and they did struggle with running into a few boxes that were heavier than what you would like but yes there were definitely some some whiffs so there one michigan with the dive play is is too predictable sometimes like wedge you talking about yeah that's yeah well yeah. and i mean they were nailing this time they did it twice on the one yard line and they ended up four yards in the end so zone. But they brought it out on the fourth and three. There's a big difference between being on the yes. two for first and goal <laughs> yes. and running a wedge where it's like right. if you get a yard, it's cool. Yeah. That's the one where the decision is probably right. 
the play call maybe right not and as much. yeah and then so the walk in touchdown for Corum to go up thirty five nothing mm-hmm. <laughs> I was I was watching this like oh that's a pancake by Trevor Keegan no it's not. Because the guy lined up over Travis Keegan just went like florp <laughs> into the center of the line because he was expecting yeah, a dive, dive play. Right. So this happened last year against Rutgers. Mm-hmm. And uh, the dive play is something that you want to have in your arsenal when you're as beefy as Michigan is. But too many times back to the well, that gets you the fourth down stop. So, And then they're like, okay, great. We're going to do something else. Easy walk and touchdown. Yeah. But you got to – after you've already done it to them twice, right? You got to know that as soon as they get in a short yardage play, that's what they're going to be looking for. Self scout yourself a little. I agree, but also the wedge is a. I mean, if you can use the wedge and get one yard consistently, fine. Use the wedge. If you use the wedge and get two yards consistently, sometimes you can bring it out on fourth and two. But fourth and three, your successful wedge yeah. is getting you two yards. Yeah. So you have to like really just knock a guy on his ass in order to get three yards on that play. Well, and the other because, th- the other thing about it is people are just overplaying it so much. Like Kellel Mullings in the Ohio State game, mm-hmm. his first attempt to convert on that wedge play went nowhere because Ohio State sold out to stop it. And then you get the pop pass later. I'm just saying, like, we got to stick and move before the the opposition is like okay we're going to defeat this because yeah. they can if they execute like zinter gets like a guy he, a guy dives under zinter i don't think i can neg zinter for that because there's nothing he can do right so i don't know but it's a little bit of a callback to last year's red zone struggles obviously the red zone struggles aren't that big in a game where you're up 35 to nothing because that's touchdowns yeah but we are nitpicking a game because Michigan has goals, right? They have, and also the tackles are new, and we kind of want to figure out what's going on there. Well, so, and then the other thing about this game is that preseason, we had been told that they were going to rotate the tackles in games one and two. Right, yeah. And as late as, like, Friday, I believe that Rivals posted that, that what they expected, and then they updated to say that we yeah, just got like worried. Yeah, like late Friday afternoon. Yeah. We just got worried that they were going to start the same two guys. And I'm like, I don't get it. Because you said these guys were pretty much all yeah. close to each other. Well, why would we deviate from that plan? Especially after Chris Hinton had a real rough outing in game one. Miles uh-huh. Hinton. Miles Hinton. So Sorry. The, the thing is that I think they know what they have in Jones for the most part, right? Like that's – you're not going to be – so what, his – Fifth, fifth year in the program, you you know to a large extent what you have. The Henderson thing is the one that I'm a little more surprised about because he's gotten almost no run, right? Like he came out, he got in in like the fourth quarter of the ECU game and then he got in for the fourth quarter of this game. The problem with that is like he's playing with all of the backups and he's yeah. playing with the backup running backs and the backup quarterback and the game plan changes and UNLV is going to try to get stops and stuff. So you're just playing in a situation that – it's going to be tougher to evaluate what he looks like when he's than when he's playing next to Keegan or has Barner and Loveland on his other side or you know that kind of thing or you're or you're blocking for Blake Corum instead of for you know yeah. Leon Franklin or something. So and I guess you can kind of see what they're thinking with Hinton because we mentioned that block before mm-hmm. where he just absolutely dump trucks a guy. Yeah, yeah. And you're you're like, okay, well if he can do that consistently, sure. Um, but there are several more plays in this game where you look at what's happening with the blocking and you're like, well, Hinton yeah. kind of didn't hit anybody it, on this play. It and- feels like they want Hinton to win the job yeah. and they keep trying to give him opportunity after opportunity. And then at the last second, I think they'll probably pull the plug and it'll be Jones. 
the like I said, going back to what I said earlier, is like, but then is it just Barnhart's left tackle or is Henderson even in the conversation? It kind of feels like the answer to that is no. Because uh, if he was in the conversation, oh. they would have given him this game. Well, I mean, they still have the Bowling Green game. I mean, they still have the Bowling Green game, I guess, but like, it kind of felt like Something's got to be going on there. And it's it, at this point, it's impossible for us to speculate. It's, it, that kind of punts to the insiders. It's like, is, is Henderson unhappy because he, like, came in thinking he's gonna, he was going to be as a draft pick? And, like, yeah, they, he, he was going to be drafted. Right. And now he's but if he was playing. that yeah. good, wouldn't he have won the spot? I mean, like. I mean, I, they, they preferred Carson Barnhart over Trent A. Jones last year after his injury, and I simply did not understand that. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not arguing. I'm just saying that, like, if you're going to be a draft pick. Shouldn't you be able to win that spot? I don't know. Um, and then, I mean, we've seen plenty of Trent A. Jones as a bonus OL, right. and he's performed. Yeah. Sure. So, And that's why I think he's like, they're like, look, trying to give this kid a shot. We want him to hit. Again. Maybe they're not telling again, him that. That's again, what they're telling without, each other. Without seeing Henderson on the field at left tackle. Yeah. I mean, we're... We're going off of no information right there. So it's it's a question the insiders have to answer, not the analysts. Yeah, I mean I was actually I was surprised. I thought like even if you give the guys the first half, okay, you're up twenty one nothing. Maybe it's twenty eight after a touchdown in the second and I would have put the bet those two tackles out there for the yeah. drive that ended third. I just hope it is it that it's at least Henderson. I'm not getting not as concerned about Jones, but as Henderson against Bowling Green because you want to be able to see what you have there. You, you, We know what Jones is. We know what Carson Barnhart is. I mean, mm-hmm. we've seen him. Now we've even seen two games of Miles Hinton. Let's at least see what Henderson does in, like, live reps. Yeah. I and mean, he could be banged up or something, too. I mean, that's possible. Yeah. If that's the case through these first couple games, he's probably not winning the job then. Well, I mean, he hasn't been on the injury report. No, and he plays in the in the end of the game. Yeah, so. Yeah, but I don't know. I that. Like I said, I can't can't answer this one. But so the you know, I I went over the ground game, and there's no one magic wand to wave. Yeah. So I think Corum is still rusty. I think that there are cuts he usually makes that he did not make in this game. I think that Edwards needed to be a little bit more patient. Yes. But mm-hmm. he I'm, made a couple misreads on yeah, cuts. and we've got the wide receiver blocking issues. And I see Barnhart release to second level and whiff on a linebacker. Mm-hmm. And and when you don't get the tackles, I mean, Barnhart had a couple of whiffs I found going back in and same with Hinton. So when you sprinkle all of that in, there's just a – it doesn't look like there's a major issue, but there looks like there's a lot of little things that might be added. Well, up. and one thing that they're doing is they're running a lot of outside zone. Yeah, that's that's what I, I was about to go say. that I, I was going to bring that up next. And Which I was is – like, Yeah. <laughs> so – I've had discussions with people about this, and there's a sort of a split in football. And there are people who say, you got to pick two. You got to pick inside zone, outside zone, power, pick two. I am a, I am in this camp. There are other people who say- So you can't run all three is what you're saying? You can't run all three and be good at all three. Because it's too many different kinds of blocks? You only have so much time to teach. Yeah. And offensive linemen who are good at outside zone are usually not super powerful. Okay. Because they're a little bit more agile. They're a little bit lighter. If you get like a line of freaks, sure. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I think, you have Keegan. Keegan is a good, powerful runner. Or he's not a guy who's going to get around dudes. Right. Like I think Zinter can run all three. Mm-hmm. I don't think the whole line can run all three. I mm-hmm. especially don't think Miles Hinton can run outside zone because... He's just not agile enough? Yeah. And like, so he... 
there was an event in game one where a backside guy shut down a promising run because Hinton really didn't do anything with him. And there was a <clears throat> attempted cut in this game that Hinton had on the backside oh, tackle. Oh, just late. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, where he just he just dwarfed it. <laughs> yeah. And the guy was not delayed at all, and that guy was relevant to the tackle. Yeah. So we haven't seen a single pin and pull this year. Well, you know? we saw them run. The, we we saw them run pin and pull this game, but they they well they, they ran a um, they, they threatened a pin and pull, and that turned into the end around. But I don't think they actually. I thought ran they a pin did. Well, they ran a GT pull, so that's different. Yeah, yeah. So they have they have done some counter GT that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. They have not run a pin and pull to get to the outside yet this year. Yeah. Um, and I'm I just. Don't understand <laughs> because outside zone is hard. Yeah, I mean, I I have charted more outside zone than any play because of Mike DeBoard, <laughs> and then Rich Rodriguez ran a lot outside zone for better reasons. Uh, <laughs> I was about to say you didn't chart that many DeBoard games. I but it was zone, I mean, it was it was zone left. Zone left. Every zone left. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I remember. I remember the 06 with Alex Mitchell. That was, that was a, <sighs> well, that was Jake times. Long. They were yeah, Long Jake and Long. Long. well, no, but Mitchell was on the other side, and they're yeah. just running away from Alex Mitchell because there was no way they're going to run outside zone. Why are we going back anyway? anyway yeah, <laughs> weeds. Um, and so, like, what they're doing with outside zone is like, okay, if they can get it right, sure, it'll be great, but. It just doesn't feel like the line for it. Well, John Dewar pointed out a thing when he did the his low hanging fruit deal on Twitter this morning, where they uh, they doubled. This is one of the things that you do if you to defeat outside zone. They doubled up on Keegan. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I'm like, how how am I supposed to grade that? Yeah, <laughs> I saw that. I'm like, God. <laughs> right, but that's one of the things that you do to defeat outside zone. Now, if you run a lot of outside zone. Keegan and Barnhart will know how to like just turn that into a wall, and the running back cuts off the, the right. edge of Keegan's and butt. L- like to some extent, like power is pretty dumb. Mm-hmm. Like it's not hard. Like you got. Oh, like you mean dumb from a anyone could grasp it standpoint? Right. Yeah. All it's right. like it's like all right. Well, I got to pull, and then when the guy shows up, I hit him. And the thing that's difficult sometimes is the guy's like coming inside you, and you're like, all right, I gotta make sure I get this guy. And but outside zone, like you get a game from the defensive line and it's like okay which one is this what do i need to do who's coming into my zone who do i need to block right am i making the right steps yeah like it is like do you have any idea why you think they're doing that no okay. i i think that drake nugent is made for it nah i mean he was really good at it at stanford when but, they, but that's when not they that. like if you get a center who can do it it's great but the rest of your line is not right i that. think that they believe zinter can do it i think they just they wanted a change up they want something else besides what they've been running because they want because if you could block that well blake quorum is a great running well, back to be running that way i guess i know what it is okay it's because when you run a lot of duo mm-hmm. what happens is that defensive linemen are like, oh, God, I'm going to get a play-long double. I got to go full Ben Mason on this one. Uh-huh. And so that means they shoot up field recklessly, and they're just like, ah, I got I to gotta stick at the line of scrimmage. I'm just going to go absolutely ape on these guys. I'm going to go, wah. And then when you get an outside zone, what happens is you just get insta-reached because the guy steps around you, and then you're like, oopsie-doopsie. That's what happened with Blake Quorum. In the 21 Ohio State game. Yeah. Beginning of the second half, um, Michigan pulls out an outside zone. They're expecting duo. It almost happened, a touchdown. It happened to Michigan in one of those, Indi- one of those Indiana games that got – that. I, I, oh, yeah. Where it was like 2015 or 2016. I think it was 15. They were just like reaching us all game because yeah. – Mohurst. Mo- yeah. Mohurst was not quite <laughs> – 
they locked him on the field and just and Willie Henry and the two of them were just jumping up field. Yeah, and that's yeah. and that they, they needed to get a little bit more charity and figure that out. But that I think that is why they want to run outside. Yeah, is because so it could be that they're tinkering with that kind of stuff and they might shelve that if they're like, look, you know, it's not working. We know what we can do. Let's see if we can add something else or let's see if we can build in a constraint or I something. I mean, outside zone is an expensive addition. That's the, that's, 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 that's yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is what we were trying to say. Yeah. Is if you want to run outside zone, you got to get Alex Gibbs. You got to be the Broncos with Terrell, Terrell Davis. Davis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you got to make that your life. That's what Mike DeBoard wanted to do. Yeah. And But even outside zone teams do other stuff sometimes, Mike. Um, <laughs> and, and run the opposite direction. Well, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. If you, if you want to make it a, a part of your offense, it kind of has to be the whole thing. Unless it's like, you know, a, a sidelight where you bring it every once in a while as a constraint. Right. But once once defenses are prepared to do something against it, you have to be prepared to adjust to it. And they got there with power. And they are there with power. You saw, a lot, you know, UNLV was doing a lot of uh, spilling, which means they dive inside and then the next guy has to get out. You know, the linebacker has to go outside in. And they were, gonna, they were doing a lot of that against Michigan's power. And... For the most part, Michigan's blockers were doing the correct thing. I think it took Bredesen a couple tries to get it right. Yeah, he messed up the first one, but then. yeah, but like that when they dive inside of you, all you have to do is you have to turn him, and then eventually they're going to run out of players before you run a sideline if you're better than them. And that's, I mean, Michigan's been good at that since twenty one, twenty two. That was like the thing they were best at. And when they were just housing guys in twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen, that's what they were the best at. That's what this team should be doing. What they should be doing is they should bring back the crack sweep. Because <laughs> if you try to spill against crack sweep, the yeah. crack just wipes your guy out, and then it's it's, it's playtime yeah. for Bonzo. And that's not that expensive to install. No, it's just well, you got to have a wide receiver who can block. Oh, oh yeah, there yeah, it yeah. is, Tyler Morris. Well, maybe. Yeah. So, yeah, I think they just got to iron some stuff out in the the run game, and then the other thing is that they are simply not as consistent as they were last year, and I think that has a lot to go to do with the fact that. Owatimi was a unicorn, mm-hmm. and I'm sure Drake Nugent is doing a pretty good job, but he's not doing an Olu Owatimi job. Is this like being the punt returner following Jabril Peppers? Yes. Um, but, I mean, there was that era under Borges mm-hmm. where the UFRs were like, this is a one-guy play. Yeah. And that was always a run play where everything was blocked fine, except one guy screwed it up. Yep. And so when you have... Michigan's line last year, the number of one guy plays is infinitesimal because everybody is always on the same pace. They're always doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And we've had way more one guy plays this year. So Hinton messes something up or there's a bad line call or, you know, the outside zone isn't really working because people aren't used to it or, you know, Barnhart is missing on a linebacker. And I think and, – and this game – this run game was punishing the first two games last year, right? And it's just not at that level right now. And I think that has something to do with the defenses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I also think it has something to do with the personnel. And I just don't think that we're going to see last year's run game happen this year. And that's not a problem because JJ. But yeah. I think it's time to kind of accept that reality that if Miles Hinton is starting on this team, it's not going to be the same. Because Miles Hinton has so far to go. And I think he's got all the potential in the world still. But if you look at his play from last year – and it's playing the first two games this year. You see the potential, but you do not see the consistency. What do you think about if if they give him another game and then it's Trente? So you have Carson Barnhart and then Trente. How do you feel about that? 
I would. F- I mean, I feel like the world's biggest Trent A. Jones supporter. Because like, <laughs> but I, do you feel okay with Barnhart at left tackle? Uh, it's okay. I. I. I mean, I think the upside there is with Henderson. Mm-hmm. But if he's not playing, there's. There's a reason. a reason, yeah. I mean, we went into the season. You go back to our preview. Go to Hail the Victors. Go to like the whole time going into this. We thought it was going to be Henderson and Jones. Yep. And now we've had two games, and we were like, okay, let's see the first round and let's see the second round. And we were in the mode of like, okay, they're going to get McCarthy after the first, you know, after the second game. And that's kind of, I think, where all of our heads yeah. were imagining. And obviously, that's not that's not happening now. So obviously, there's more to the story. Right. Than, there's there's yeah. stuff that we can't see from outside the program that I think is tr- driving this. I don't know what it could possibly be. Mm-hmm. But the flip from we're going to Michigan method this to we're not is just weird. Because you said that was going to happen. Was, you almost made a promise of playing time to the two backup tackles. Yeah. And then you kind of yanked it out from them. Like, I don't know. It seems like there's something going on. Yeah. I mean, at least they're they're getting Jones on the field as a, an extra guy. They just kind of put a 90 on him when they do that. Just because I want to see a fat guy touchdown so bad. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> so that's one thing is that they used to put like an 80 or a 90 with no name on him. And now mm-hmm. it's just 53, which implies to me that they – might be putting him in at offensive tackle at any moment. Yeah. Well, I mean, he does play with backup, so. Yeah, but, like, I, me- I meant, like. Yeah, I know what you mean. You can so. change a shirt during a game, though. I don't think that's illegal. No, you got to announce it, but yeah. that's true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Last thing, because we're firing through some of the game theory stuff, is that uh, first down passing percentage in the first half, high again, 10 of 18. And I mean, it, it was over sixty percent last time. It's fifty six percent. I mean, like you said before, like when when the offense or the defense is kind of loading the box and forcing Michigan to have to deal with that. In the past, they have taken them too long to adjust. Didn't take them very long last week to adjust. Didn't take them very long this week to adjust. Well, no, I mean their first play was play action, right? Mm-hmm. And, and they I, ran there, play action twice in a row this yeah. game. There, yeah, yeah, there were some. There were multiple uh, pl- uh, first down play actions, which I was like. I'm always about. Yeah. yeah, and the the rate of play action has gone up a lot. And that is something that I was pounding the table for in the offseason. Yeah. It's good to see that happen. And UNLV's approach was also, you know, they're way more of a sit-back team than a attack you with everything they've got than, like, than ECU. They were coming at them a I mean, little the, bit. But. So what their safeties, they always had a deep safety unlike ECU. Yeah. ECU is going to put their cornerbacks 10 yards off and hope that worked. Um, their linebackers were very aggressive. Mm-hmm. And so you saw those play-action plays where JJ's zinging at a guy's ear hole because he's not facing the right direction. So. Right. <laughs> but I think uh, I think that covers it. We, yeah. We haven't talked to tight ends at all, but there wasn't a whole lot to talk about. Mm, I, I saw right, – so we, we, we talked about Bredesen. He was basically a functioning blocking tight end. Yeah. I think I saw better blocking from um, – Barner. Barner, yeah. He had a nice catch, too. Yeah. But traffic. Barner, I mean, one of those, uh, one of the plays near the, in the red zone, uh, he just cleared a guy out. Yeah. And, like, that was a thing that you saw a lot last year with Schoonmaker that we hadn't seen really much this year, where yeah. sometimes, like, a lot of tight ends just make that block and just kind of stick that guy and, like, okay, I'm out here kicking. He actually moves the guy out of the way and it creates more space for the running back to threaten outside and then he uses that to go inside and that creates. More of that's um, just more running room. So, all right, we're going to take a break, come back, talk about the defense. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president of Peak Wealth Management, your MGO financial coach, and it is our goal to help you retire with peak confidence. 
Check us out at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Bo says the team, the team, the team. Lately, my mantra has been the plan, the plan, the plan. Check out the Trust the Plan podcast. Search out my name, Nick Hopwood, on any platform and give us a follow. You know, we haven't updated this ad in over two years because since the last versions went live, we only had one Big Ten loss. And honestly, I'm a little superstitious. But for this ad, I just want to give a shout out to all the loyal Wolverines and MGO blog fans who've reached out to us from as far as France, Japan, Seattle, San Francisco, Dallas, Florida, New York, and of course, all over the great state of Michigan. And you guessed it, we're pulling recruits out of Ohio as well, just like Harbaugh. Thank you very much. So no matter where life has taken you after your time in Ann Arbor, we're here to help you build a plan you can trust. If you're looking for a second opinion, visit us at peakwm.com slash blog today. Winewood Organics is Ann Arbor's only cannabis microbusiness for adults 21 and older. They're a grower, processing lab, and dispensary rolled into one, cultivating and producing flour, old-school hash, edibles, CBD products, and more. You can find them across the street from Kroger on South Maple, just west of downtown, and at winewoodorganics.com. Veterans and MedCard holders save 10% on all orders, and first-time customers save 25% as long as you're not wearing scarlet and gray. One and two and... If you find yourself on the wrong side of the law, you want a Michigan man in the huddle. Call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul at 248-924-9458 or visit his website at michiganlawgrad.com. John is a proud graduate of the University of Michigan Ross School of Business and Michigan Law School. He looks forward to showing you the Michigan difference. The only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough made possible by developments in communications. Arthur C. Clarke's 1964 vision is now reality with SignalWire, a cloud platform that enables developers to build the applications that will reshape the future of communications. These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other wherever we may be. You can add cutting-edge, real-time video and audio to any product, website, or application with APIs and SDKs for developers of all skill sets. SignalWire is optimized for high quality and low latency communication functionality for video, voice, and text messaging capabilities. Almost any skill could be made independent of distance. Men will no longer commute. They will communicate. See for yourself at SignalWire.com. Use code 2021 and receive $25 in developer credit. Go to SignalWire.com. SignalWire Communications OG. Original geeks of programmable communication. The band plays your songs You sing it out No, I've been a fan of you For a little while And we're just dancing along And the music's loud You know just the thought of you It can make me smile Randy is going to do his hot take anyway. <laughs> I need takes.
hotter than I mean JJ McCarthy. What else am I supposed? <laughs> Come on, hot as can be. Let's go. Seth, give me your hottest take. All right, hang on. I got to give credit to Ben Siegel, most known as Jeep and Ben on the site for this one. Okay. All right, ready? Kenneth Grant should have five touchdowns this year. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is, is he the new Khalid Hill? Or is that what we're going to do to him? Yeah. <laughs> Thank well, you. Make him the fullback. Thank and you. like the second he goes on the field, everyone's going to freak out. He's right? a grown-ass man. How many and defensive he... touchdowns is he going to get in his career? He's going to get some. Well, one of those, one of those touchdowns is going to be defensive. At it's least, like, yeah, it, it's, at least, right? Because he's going to obliterate someone. They're going right. to disappear, and he's going to pick up the ball, sack right. in the end zone, yeah. knock it out, and yeah. just pick it up with a giant mitt, and and like run away from people. Oh yeah, it's going to be there's going to be <laughs> pulling away. There's going to be like oh like a fat like Jalen Berger is going to be like running after him and like lose ground to him. <laughs> like how is he on the thirty distance? yard sprint to the end zone? That's going to be one Kenneth, Kenneth Grant, Grant shedding defenders and pounds another, as he goes. Yes. Another one is because Michigan uses the correct third down, fourth down strategy now, where it's mm-hmm. third and six, and they'll run the ball to set up fourth and two, even there you though go. fourth and three is not fourth and two. Mm-hmm. We can get into that later. Well, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> but when they're in that situation, now Michigan does that. So one of them's going to be on like the twelve yard line. Sure. And he's just going to get the handoff. And no one's going to touch him, and it's just going to be Kenneth Grant running all the way to the end zone untouched. But the rest of them are going to be vulture touchdowns, and I it's going to be it. be beautiful, and he should have that job. No offense to your, your boy, Kalo Mullings, but Kenneth Grant would be more fun. From your mouth to God's ears. Yeah. Ah, uh, fine. <laughs> Dave, give me your hottest take. When Jim does eventually leave, Jay Baw should be the head coach. Mm. Oh. Uh, I mean, I don't. I thought if hypothetically. Jim Harbaugh goes to the NFL this offseason. Doesn't it has to be Sharon, right? Like everybody loves well, Sharon. People do He's like the offensive him. coordinator. So right, that's like, why this is a hot take, Brian. But if Sharon okay. goes somewhere else. Well, the so that's Jay Baw's in the mix. The thing about Jay though is he's been he's been here every year Jim has, right? And, and he's, he's coached, coached like every, every single position. Yep. He's known as like a pretty good recruiter. He's gone out and like was especially early on in his career. And then you still have the Harbaugh connection, right? He's like Harbaugh John, without the antics. <laughs> if, if John is still at the Ravens, like you're automatically getting two to three assistant coaches per year. Thank you. So you can substitute that in if you want to. <laughs> so I would be okay with this if it's not next year. But if he like, if he tags Har- Jay as like the next one and then, like won't. anoints him, kind of like you know what Henry the Second did with yeah, his so, son, or like what all right? like, college just, like, coaches this do is now. This is going to be the next one, right? Yeah, this yeah. is going to be the next guy, Greg Gard. So, but isn't it genius what Harbaugh is doing that, like, you don't know who's anointed. He just let three guys do it. He's playing, it's like, he's playing four card Monty. Right. The thing is, you're going to lose everyone who gets passed. So, so that's if the you thing. do Sharon Moore, you keep your offensive line together. You keep all the recruits together. Which I don't know if that's and, a great thing. And no thing. one's going to so be. Is, is like, everyone Mitchell bouncing? Probably go to the, huh? Is everyone Look. bouncing? Like Mike Hart's bouncing? And all no, I mean, no, no, like, no. No, no. You can't. I mean. <laughs> I know this is the hot take segment, but with what Sharon Moore has done with Michigan's offensive line, like no disrespect to Jay Harbaugh, who I think is a very good coach, but you can't. Yeah. You can't pass over Sharon. You can't. It's not no, you absolutely not can't. No. But like Jay could be the head coach in years from now. He could yes. be the, you know. Yeah, yeah. but he has, to, he has to go somewhere else and like spread his wings, right? He can, can't yeah. just. Can we have like, Sharon 
like be semi-adopted by the Harbaugh's. Like his middle name is now Harbaugh, so <laughs> sure. that like so he can have so access John, to the Ravens right, coaching exactly. staff. So this is all Dave like, wants. Is, we'll see next week how he calls the offense when, or like you know, or when he's the coach, coach yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Because his offensive play calling is so Harbaugh that it's maybe you know, it is that, yeah, maybe by he, way well, the transitive property of Harbaugh. He might get like some so coordinator. Do they have to change the name of the offensive line award to Harbaugh? I mean, mm-hmm. probably already should have. Okay. Yeah. Right, Randy, give me your hottest take. Maybe Brady Hoke's offensive lines weren't that bad. <laughs> In context. Yeah, we're going to Okay. I'm so worried about this. I literally got a chance to watch it live, and I'm like, why is Drake Nugent now behind the quarterback? <laughs> I want him to be good. I want him to be the bulldog that everybody said he was. Also, like, weren't we doing the Michigan test here or whatever that thing is called where, like, Miles Hinton plays one game and Trent A. Jones plays another? Get, where's Trent A. Jones? Miles Hinton was in there to make a lot of mistakes yesterday, and I love the lineage. I love Chris Hinton. I think it's great, but I'm like, dudes, what are we doing here? This UNLV team that is way smaller than us and not fully selling out for the run is destroying us. What is happening? Like, the only running we're getting is on these, like, crazy arc plays and whatnot. By the way, was there one RPO yesterday? There was one, right? I uh, didn't catch I one. I didn't see uh, one. Well, there was the sort of triple option he won. Yeah. Yeah. Where JJ but, kept it and then swung it in the flat to Edwards. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's technically that's, an RPO. That, there's that, that, there's yeah, a name that, for that play. That's not like what we're looking yeah. for. I, no, but that's, I'm just, yeah, it's not downfield. I just don't understand what's going on, and I'm super worried. I love JJ. He is the greatest. I'm really – almost coming to the point where I'm like, just put it all on his shoulders. This is it. Just put it all on his shoulders. He's got to go 22 of 25 every game. And he will. I believe that he will because I now love Tyler Morris. And I now think that Cornelius Johnson has taken the step that he did. And I now think that Ronnie Bell is that dude. He is that guy. And I think Colson Loveland, when given his shots, he will do. A.J. Barner made. Uh, okay. I'm like, I'm all on board with the passing thing. But I'm like, we. what are we going to do when you actually have a lot of, of pass rush in your face? And actually defenders that can defend these guys. I still believe in JJ and I believe in him so much, but I'm super nervous about this, uh, this line. Super, super nervous. Way more nervous than I thought it would be. I, I'm not as nervous. Quick note well, about I mean, like, Brady Hoke offensive yeah, lines. Yeah. <laughs> Did you watch Ohio State this week? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Ohio State, and I was so mad that how mad were you that we got the same score as Ohio State? That by the way, if you take the touchdown off the board, which was clearly in the week before, JJ was like three yards past. He literally handed the ball in the end zone to Roman Wilson on that first one. There was there was a moment where they all were both touching the ball at the same time. That's how far past the line of scrimmage he was, and we got the benefit of that call, and that was a touchdown. If that we're twenty three to three in the first game, and then now we're thirty five to seven just like they I mean I'm not happy about this I'm not I that love our team five to seven game against Wyatt we'll get into that one uh, we get into that one in another one but that was my you know and and Jason's take although he's not here is in the wait same. wait 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 you can't okay. just say it I'm not going to <laughs> oh, I'm not going like, to I'm just alluding wait, 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 to it. Wait, wait. Randy give me Jason's <laughs> hottest take all right guys I'm gonna have to do my best Jason impression here okay. which I know is gonna be hard so just picture someone without a mustache you ready and glasses Give this offensive line the Joe Less Award. <laughs> wow, you guys are. I'm really. Are, are you guys harsh. twins? We're twins, <laughs> and I. But 
Brian, I want. I'm literally giving it up so hard for the all the receivers. I could not be more excited about the receivers. I'm so excited about JJ's play. I think he is. I thought he was going to be great this year. He is showing that he can be even better than exceeding expectations. It's like when I went to the Grand Canyon for the first time, and I'm like, it's got grand in the name. How can you make – and then I got there. I'm like, it's better than I thought. It's bigger than I thought. It's cooler than I thought. J.J. McCarthy is the Grand Canyon of quarterbacks. He's better than you thought it would be, and you already thought it was going to be great. So I'm really believing in all that stuff, but I – could not believe the lat every single time we just ran into the line and couldn't get anything between the tackles even busting out we couldn't it, it now seems as though like Corum and Donovan Edwards can't shake anyone they literally get tackled by the very per- first person who meets them all that is just I- I'm worried about that stuff Seth you guys are you guys are negative Nellies I know I wish but I don't want to be I I I have not. I'm not made it all the way through my rewatch at this point, and so I, I'm reserving judgment. There are a couple of things I saw that are offensive line based, and other things I saw that were like just well. With the we've already thing. talked about that. In a yes, podcast. you have. Yeah. In the order of recording this podcast, we're time jumpers, but yes. <laughs> so people know our takes. Uh, of on course, the game already. All right, uh, here's mine. Jay Harbaugh is getting grounded this week. <laughs> <laughs> Because he ran J.J. twice. Oh. <laughs> and allowed him to scramble on a third. And Jack That's Tuttle into fault. a table. <laughs> no, that was my card. <laughs> that was my card. But, yeah, uh, Jack Tuttle got uh, exposed to the Dudleys. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, like, but, yeah, uh, so, like, you got Jim Harbaugh watching this game on TV, and all of a sudden J.J.'s got the ball, and you know he's like, what are we doing? Yes. <laughs> I thought, I thought reads were off. I thought reads were off. <laughs> and then and then JJ's running down the field. He's like, oh, I'm gonna score a touchdown. He gets tackled, but he could have got out of bounds. And Jim's like, What is going on? <laughs> the second run, is- when, the second run when he started limping, I was like, Oh boy! Right? Yeah, he, he has the quarterback draw, and then he gets a a, a shot to his calf or thigh. Actually, it was, thigh, it was right like, in his thigh. Thigh and it helmet. Just, this is gonna it's gonna be like Jay's gonna be back with the Ravens next week. He's like, You gotta, <laughs> you're out of here. And that blows up Dave's hot take. <laughs> this is this is like when you like like a kid borrows his dad's car, and then he dings it up a little bit, or, so or like, like it shows up on like a camera or somewhere, and like the dad is like, this is Ferris what Bueller. Is yeah, it's not quite Ferris Bueller. No, this if is, JJ would have like this something would have happened. It would have been exactly. This Ferris. is risky business, and Harbaugh comes back and is like, Joel, <laughs> who was playing with my egg? <laughs> there is a crack in my egg, Joel. <laughs> You, Dad, you were watching that? I Princeton was, could use a guy I, I like thought, Jay I Harbaugh. Were, I thought you were running the chain. He like afterwards, Jay was like, you know, hey JJ, you have to run backwards. We have to get the like the mileage off. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> run him backwards, run him backwards, get the mileage off. <laughs> can't, can't let my dad know that we did this. That's right. <laughs> uh, all right. If if you guys can't get enough scars, hit up UFC Fight Pass for their reboot of cheap seats called the Nosebleeds. And uh, they are, of course, on tour. They just had a hilarious show in Ann Arbor. Check them out whenever and wherever you can. Thank you. And thank you to everyone from Elmco Blog who hung, who uh, came to the shows. We went to the tailgate, which, by the way, everybody should do. It's so much fun. We had a great time. You should come join these guys every uh, Saturday. It was just a blast. So thank you, Elmco Bloggers. Love you guys. And thank you guys for showing up. I really appreciate it. So defensively, we're all hyped up about this go-go offense and see what it does, how crazy it is. <laughs> 
They didn't do like a lot. They of, didn't do anything. There was a couple plays that were kind of fun. There was like the triple option where they, like, yeah, you know, yeah. Was, they got Saner still on that one. Yeah, they got Saner still on that one. And I was like, well, I was like waiting for like a whole game of that. And they didn't really do anything. Or the one that Alex put in where you get the slot receiver coming in motion one way, and then the two guys <laughs> going the other way, and you got you know it looks like a firework, right? Because people are just going in like two or three different directions, and we didn't really see that. <laughs> That's what I was sort of. Uh, Excited about. I mean, you thought that this was going to be more of a, a blowout game, and we were probably right about that. But you were like, "Well, at least they're going to do something fun, and we're going to see something." Yeah. So, I, 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 I'm probably going to do running game for my next sharpies instead of this. But like, it's something I'm going to definitely talk about in UFR. Michigan kind of had a babysitter on the backside who was just like, "Your job is not to get edged. I don't care <laughs> what happens. You do not let ever you not let me outside." And that, well, yeah, kind of nerfed their whole uh, system. I mean. You gotta gotta try it. I th- uh, my 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 theory is that they're like we're UNLV. We're thirty six point dogs. We're not gonna win this game. We're not gonna put any of this cool stuff on film. Yeah, we're gonna save it for games that we might win. Well, and then they go what play action from under center and get this like wide open crossing pass. <laughs> like oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, main takeaway for me from this game was like. The expectations we had for the defensive tackle spot are being met emphatically. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Exceeded. Mason no. Graham is no. <laughs> I mean, plural. Well, all right. So, so you, there's you you make a difference between me, who is like Mason Graham's gonna be really good this year, and yeah. Brian, who's like Mason Graham is a godsend from. <laughs> okay, fine. In, in Which the, one of you is saying that you can't take Grant, I, Kenneth Grant was, off the field? I was saying Kenneth Grant was the was the gift from the football gods. You can take Kenneth Grant off. Brian the is the one who Jenkins and Mason yeah. Graham. Yeah, Bri- except that he, Brian Grant believes that Mason best. Graham is the one who gave us Kenneth Grant. Okay. <laughs> I, but, like, he, like he birthed him? No, no, he was the football god. In, uh, that, in, yeah. in the five questions, five answers, I said M- Mason Graham equals Mozzie Smith. Yeah. And, and check. Up. Sure. Up from there. I charted Mozzie Smith last year. And no. I mean, because there so was, there's the, Smith last year got nailed a couple times when the quarterback took off, and Brumfield could run a little bit. Yeah. And Graham just. Throws a guy to the other yeah, side of yeah. him and makes that not, stop. Gets off the block. Not a, and not a sack, but spiritually should be. Yeah. Um, and then there was the fourth and five where Graham hops over a gap and a half, yeah. uh, <laughs> dismisses the guard, and then next to him, Chris Jenkins does the same thing with a tackle. And so Graham pops up, and he's like, I'm going to eat this running back. And then Jenkins is like, good job. I'm going to eat the quarterback. And I'm like... <laughs> Is this before or after he ate the four cheeseburgers? Do you do you remember getting George Rooks and it was like, thank God we have a defensive tackle, a four star, a four star, and George Rooks got chased to Boston College by a couple of freshmen who and yeah. got mooned this week. By the way, did you see, did what? You see like the, what? Boston College? There was a rain delay and the and the team that was playing Boston College like had a bunch of fans out there stuck around in the rain and just mooned them. <laughs> Like expose was, their butts? Yeah, there was like a big oh. mooning incident, and, and no one could do anything. I thought was... you were. I thought you were talking. I thought you said. I thought you were talking about like Boston College going into the third quarter in a game that was tied zero zero. Oh, <laughs> that is the I old the also... old moon, Brian. That not the Northwestern well, all right. mooning. <laughs> all right. Um, uh, <laughs> but, but for the first half, Grant was like step for step with everybody. Yeah, I guess. I. I mean. I mean, like. I don't. So I thought that Graham would be making plays, but he would have endurance issues. Grant, Grant, Grant. Yes. yes, sorry. And he, they don't 
it doesn't matter. Well, they only play because you just like, pull them off the field. Yeah. Well, and you put your other all Big Ten but, defensive tackles. But they on also the field. don't play you, many plays. I mean, or you first put all, your punt team on the field. Yeah, really. that's yeah. right. Yeah. So, given the state of what's going on, I mean, like Cam Good's making plays. Like, what, what is going on? Cam Good on? almost like was going to incinerate. Brumfield. Oh my God! And well, part, just, of, I part, part, but part of that he was, was going to explode into a lot of pieces. Part of that was the fact that UNLV's offensive line was just not blocking guys. That's uh-huh. true. So the two Jalen Harrell sacks on the same series, people, uh, so we got we got some tweets like, "Oh, you guys, Jalen Harrell, who, who are we talking about?" Nobody tried to block Jalen Harrell. Yeah. Well, so, well, well, I mean, Quentin Johnson made one of them. Like he should have yeah. had the sack. Well, the, yeah. the, I would. That's probably going to be mostly an RPS because they send them on the definitely blitz. RPSs. Yeah. yeah. And then the other one, Harrell threatened the tackle outside the tackle sets up outside barrett comes barreling in takes takes out the the running running back back, and then harold just goes inside of all of that he's like free quarterback yeah to me that's plus two barrett plus one harold yeah yeah so i'm I'm not gonna be knocking harold this to like just you know but this wasn't like a, a a shift in the overall narrative yeah what might be a shift in the overall narrative was Derek Moore. Yes. That, well, so that's what I wanted to know. The get it's off like, on his sack was absurd. Yeah, yeah, that was really good. But is that left tackle just kind of like uh, there, so a pillow? Left tackle is probably not very good. Yeah. Granted. But if you watch that play, it's just bang. And you, it's like watching high school films sometimes where you're like, okay, the guy he's playing isn't good. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Just the physical ability. You can yeah. just see it. It pops. He was around. Like, it was no contest. Yep. And, like, I didn't even get a hand on him. And if you can do that at 260 pounds, as a true sophomore, I mean, Omar coming. Yeah. I. He's – keep in mind, he's more than a year older than most of the guys in his grade. He's, like, the okay. same age as J.J. McCarthy to, like, a couple weeks. So, like, he's more of a junior okay, but than he's a also, sophomore. He was, yeah. also, he was also 280 last year. Yes. So we are seeing a, a, a revised version. So we're of seeing a lot more. less of him is what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like – and his get-off was something that was front and center in his recruiting profile. Mm. But we didn't really see it last year. Now we saw it. And – Along with Braden McGregor making a couple of big plays. So he's the guy that after Grant, I mean, you know, all defensive tackles had good days, but I thought he had like a very nice. Well, so yeah. he strings out that run, gets that big TFL where he yep. splits a couple of guys. And then you can't leave him unblocked. Yeah. If you're going to try to run a mesh point. He ran the guy down. Yeah. So he, he played both sides of a mesh point on another TFL. And like, I'm just like, every time people leave him unblocked, I'm like, okay, we can run away from this guy. No, you yeah. can't. <laughs> no. Or we're going to option this guy. He's like, no, you can't. And, I mean, that's a really weird skill for Braden McGregor to have. Well, and then when he knifes <laughs> in and then the guy, like, trips, and I thought that he got a hand on him. He I went, did, yeah. No, yeah. he didn't. Like, oh, oh the, you're talking about the other one. The, one yeah, the, the first one, he got his, fo- his hand on his right. foot. First one, about the, one where they, the second one, he slips. Just, yeah. And it looks like McGregor trips him up. And I was like, oh, he got him, and on replay, he didn't. But he um, was, like, right there, I, and that's, yeah. that's still I'm, a nice On replay, play. I think they were going to call the hold because the referee was already reaching in yeah. to call the hold there. And then he sees so, the guy go down, so and he's like, I'm going to waste everybody's time on this. So, I mean, I was really... I mean that because like you we've after week one and sort of through the preview you're kind of we're kind of like all right we think we know what we're getting from the defensive tackles and they're probably going to be pretty good and the thing that we wanted to see was more and McGregor and maybe some Stewart popping a little bit and I f- it feels like you know we saw one of those plays with Moore and then McGregor made a number of plays he may not get the straight up pass rush that Moore does but he made like you were you were saying Seth like last week 
the job that they gave McGregor, he exe- executed to a T. Yeah. And this week, it looked like he was breaking through guys even more. This week, he made plays. Last yeah. week, he, he did his job. Did his did job. job yeah. And yeah. this one, he beat a guy. But that's the difference between, like, you know, Jalen Harrell does his job, and he deserves to be on the field because he does his job. Yeah. When you the, – the way you pass a Harrell – Sometimes is, Darren Hall does someone else's job. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Kate Stover. Eat it. <laughs> so, yeah. but what did we want to see from the defensive line earlier this year? We wanted Mortar's flash. Yep. We wanted Grant to flash. I was assuming Mason Graham, but I think even the assumption of Mason Graham is being exceeded. Um, we knew what Chris Jenkins was going to be. But the thing is, is we've we've had two games where any run between the tackles is nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's like no chance. You run inside zone against Michigan, you have no chance. They're running zone reads. So they actually have an extra blocker when they're doing this. It doesn't matter. And it doesn't make a difference. And, and it's not because the, and the linebackers are playing well, but the line is destroying. The, the line yeah. is part of the reason the linebackers yeah. can play well, that aggressively. And it hardly it hardly gets to them. Right? Yeah. The the number of plays where it's like, okay, there's a linebacker in the gap who's making a tackle, there's no gap. Yeah. So that brings me to an interesting question because, and I was looking at, about this on the rewatch. I was like, okay, you're watching Michigan's D-line win a lot of these battles. And then when you think back to Alex's enemy piece where he's like previewing all of the offensive lines and he's like, I don't like any offensive line. <laughs> so now you're kind of like, all right, there is going to be an uptick in quality from ECU and UNLV. There has to be, right? Yeah. But how much and who? I mean, you're kind of thinking – People are talking Penn State up a bunch, but, you know, the last time we saw that was probably the Paterno era. Purdue's offensive line has been pretty good so far this year. Yeah. They may be the next one. I mean, that doesn't matter. But Ohio State, (laughs) sorry. Yeah. They don't count. I'm I'm trying to to name people on our schedule, and I got to Purdue. How late do we play them? Because I just, I went, I went in November. Yeah. It's the last game that I think everybody thinks Michigan is definitively going to win. I just don't think anyone's blocking this defensive line all year. I mean, if that's Mm -hmm. the case, though, and that we get to Happy Valley with that defensive line playing like this, and then Ohio State, like, (sighs) man, I don't even want to say it. We've seen what Ohio State's offensive line looks like this year. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like they're going to I mean, play. I want to see them again. You know, you want to see them Notre Dame. Like, that's – I'm really, really interested in that game because I want to see – because yeah. Notre Dame's going to have guys, right? Like, on both sides of the ball. Penn State plays, what, Iowa that same night, I think. Mm. And Iowa's, like, a real team to Well, Penn State lost Landon Tengwall on the eve of the season, who right. was expected to be a starting left guard. Uh-huh. So, and maybe their second mess lineman, depending on how – much you value Fashanu? I mean, I, I, I guess I would value Fashanu quite highly. Um, but you're telling me that James Franklin suddenly has a backup guard who's going to block these guys? Well, that was what Alex said. Is like they basically had six offensive linemen, so they moved their depth guy in. So they don't have a depth guy anymore. But I mean, did you guys watch like even like this is a, a bit of like 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 they toasted you know an FCS team, and even then their offensive line was so not really. I didn't okay. see any of that game. There but. was like a lot. Of, their running backs had to make some plays and like spin out of guys at like two yards, and then once they were free, no one was tackling them. And it was, but like it was not the offensive line of Penn State that so caused. The, yeah, so you're just looking at this defensive line from what we've seen just so far let alone what they could become when you get more reps and more practice time because a lot of them are young, right? I mean, save Jenkins. Like the two, di- like the tackles are in their second year. Josiah yeah. Stewart's in his second game at Michigan. Mm. Moore's in his second year. You have Benny who's still got upside. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, 
Pe- Benny, who's who wanted to be in the he's like ball. I can hit a guy too. I can hit LA. I'm, I'm involved. Look at me. I, I'm like, oh no, I, mean, I thought <laughs> Benny. I, <laughs> Benny. I, thought, I thought that was pretty borderline. I th- like, I, I think given like, where the game was at that point, hitting a guy, hitting the quarterback after the play was like uh, you, you. He had an opportunity to stop it himself. Was like, and, it was like ball out one step. I don't know. I I like. I, I, I hear you, and in, in, in a game that's competitive, I would agree. In this situation, it's just hitting the quarterback for no reason. Well, he's, he, he could have stopped. Yeah. If you could stop, then, then they get the call. Eh, I don't yeah. know. I, I don't know. Spiritually, I'm with you, but I, I, I'm i not so, going to complain about that call. In any case, uh, there's not really a whole lot to talk about with linebacker play because, you know, as I said, I had, nothing really got to him. No real notes. Um, Barrett made a couple of plays. Well, you said the blitz, blitz yeah. that created the uh-huh. sack. He recognized the swing pass really early in the game and got out there really yeah. fast, stuffed him at the line. That's Colson a nice was play. the guy they used often. I, I, I told you they had the strategy of making sure there was always an edge player, and a lot of times it was just the defensive end. I, I think most pl- defenses we, are predicated on having an edge player. I'm no, but exactly no, sure but I'm saying they, you're making. they had a they. They had a guy babysitting a short edge. They were gonna not, they were not gonna let him get to like the hash marks right. and start playing their games out there, right? Okay, so Colson and then Barrett and then Houseman would play it a little bit. He I think tipped a pass that yeah. was almost intercepted by I believe it was a Keyshawn Harris that Something we like never that. really got a review. Yeah. And then there was another play that he made um where he kinda gets deked by a runner and still gets back into it and lunges and makes a nice tackle. I thought it was a pretty athletic play. That was like that was impressive because at that point I was like, "All right, he just missed this tackle." But he, mm-hmm. yeah, and then he he's actually able to. So was that was that great? Like, kind of no, loses his his leverage, but then makes I play? I've I've done things before where I like give a guy like minus one plus one tackling because okay. like basically he had a minus two and then fixed it, but, but, saved one. But like, but like it depends if, on what the result of the play was. If you're in if you're in space and you make a tackle and you leak a few yards after contact, that's probably going to be a half point. To yeah, me. yeah. I, um, it, it depends on what – like, there were – when they threw – they had a diamond play where, like, they were – and he got out there and – Well, that was yeah, – that, that, yeah, that, that was a bad angle. Yeah, that was – they that, got tempoed on that. Yeah. yeah, that was an RPS. There were four players Yeah, for, they were uh, just super late for Michigan yeah. to line up. And that was – but that was, like, eight yards. And this, this offense barely got over 100 yards until the backups got in. Yeah. And – well, with all the TFLs, I think they're at 40 yards or something like that at halftime when something the game like was already that. over. Yeah, and – so the back seven, well, the, the secondary, again, was missing Rod Moore. Will Johnson got in for like a, a series, series or something. That, and it was like weirdly in the middle of the game. Yeah. Like he didn't start and he didn't come in right away. And then he plays a few times and you'll see him again. It, it might have been like, oh, do you feel it? Yeah. All right. Stay off the field. You don't need to be here. Uh, I, I don't know. I think that, I mean, they warmed him up the first. Yeah, because he, he was dressed all, all the games. Yeah, he, and he was, he was uh, warming up as a first team player and then. But in any case, he's obviously on the verge of a return. Yeah. Uh, Rod Moore didn't see the field. Neither did Makari Page. So might be a little bit longer. But we've seen um, Keon Sab play like a promising sophomore. He made a couple of mistakes, made a couple plays. Yeah. I thought he maybe he, – he had an edge contain that he completely whiffed on on the scramble. Yeah. And mm-hmm. would have liked to see him maybe finish that tackle. It looked like he might have been um, late – to the sideline a couple of times when they had some open receivers up the sideline, but I, I couldn't well, tell there on was, the one. There was one where um, Cody Jones hopped up on a flat route, and then Sab was late getting over, but he, that's a whole shot. That that's that's later on. Okay. I'm talking about earlier on in the game, but because he be like, the one yeah. thing that is kind of like 
I don't know what the word is for it. Um, disappointing, maybe, is that um, Zeke Barry didn't even play. Like, at, not at all. A, no. down, I don't think. I mean... Maybe he's hurt, but... Maybe. Th- these are the games you wanted to see him. Like, Sab, yeah, okay, good. Let's see I think Barry. we're all just paranoid when you don't see a guy in the game like, oh, no, what's happening with Zeke Barry? Well, no, right? you like, just... This is, a, this is a great game because if he screws up and gives up a touchdown, whatever, I want to see the kid play. But, I mean, if, obviously, if he can't play, I'm not saying I want to see an injured Zeke Barry play. But these are the games where what you take away from playing UNLV is, well, we can play some guys we're curious about and see sort of how so, they look on a live field. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I'd say in response to that is that if they feel like Quentin Johnson and, and Keon Zab are their backup safeties, you want to rip the heck out of those guys. Well, that's probably true. I, I but think is QJ so, I, the backup safety? Because I, I, yeah, I, I was not hugely impressed by Quentin Johnson in this game. Well, no, but like he's an older player. He's I, yeah. He, I mean, he had a good blitz, and that caught, and that. I mean, he it, came off the edge. Yeah, he, fine, he, like he executed. But there are, when he played, when he's in coverage, he takes a step back during the throw. He doesn't have any aggression. He's super boring. And, okay, and that's fine. Is that and we're the okay with for a backup safety? <laughs> no, but like when you have a Zeke Berry that you could possibly that like you know is possibly well, going to be replacing Rod Moore next okay, year. The, wait, I don't want to go wait, from wait. Rod Moore to Quentin Johnson next the, year. The other thing I don't think we can is that who's the backup safety who flashed in this game? Caden Colazar. Yeah, Caden Colazar had an excellent pass breakup, and he almost so was that him or was it? I thought it was McBurrows, but it was him. They're both yeah. there. I mean, he's the one who jumped the route. Okay. Yeah. Burroughs was there. Colasar made the play. Yeah. Um, does he have eligibility after this year? Who? Colasar? Uh, he, he yeah, because he a got COVID. a redshirt. He gets a redshirt last year for an injury, and he got a redshirt for 20. So, I mean, he, I mean, I don't know if he wants to. He's, you know, he's, he's going to go into medicine. I don't know well, if he wants to sit around and, like, see how long football lasts. But, but he's, he's, yeah. he's, he's the guy who made some plays. And then I don't know, man. the other walk on, Keyshawn Harris hasn't. Really put a foot wrong so far. No, he's like, been there was somewhere. A, Craig is flying flags. So there was a. They, it's, it's difficult to tell against these teams, but they did run a fade against him, and he ran that route for the receiver. As did Jair Hill on another one. Well, he came up and had a stick too at the line. Yeah, so he flies, man. <laughs> yeah, so they got some. They got some options, and I will not really figure out anything about the secondary for a while, unfortunately. So McBurrows like was right in there at that on that PBU that you were talking about with Colazar, yeah. and then he definitely got beat on a yeah, there was, on yeah. an in out route. There was, yeah, just took the wrong circle pivot whip route, uh-huh. whatever you want to call it. I call, I called it Z route for years, and I guess it's not even one of the main names for it. I, so I call it circle. I guess yeah. whip is cooler. I'm going to call it whip. Yeah, he got he, he got, got whipped whipped because he had help to the inside, <laughs> and he jumped and like ah yeah. But it kind of feels like they think he's their best option behind Sanders still at nickel because what they did a lot is they had him at nickel while Sanders was playing outside. Yeah, which feels like a like a contingency plan that they wanted to to rep a little bit. I mean, that's not bad. Yeah, I, I mean, it tells me that McBurrows is not going to be a cornerback because their next option is going to have Sanders still play cornerback. And they're committed to him being a nickel now. Also, they've yeah. moved to Morian Walker, who we, obviously we haven't seen because he's like, probably still hurt. He was, but, he was out on the list today. But, yeah. like, then they play Jair Hill, and you're starting to see some things you like there. And, you know, it's probably... Jair Hill is still on track to be starting at the end of the year, I think. And I, even, I, I just get a feel watching that guy. But even, like, even if not... The question is, is he going to pass Wallace? I don't think so. I kind of don't think so either. There was a moment where Wallace just way overplayed the edge. Early, yeah. Early, and he let the guy turn inside. And that was 
front and center in his scouting report that like, he's not a great tackler in space. He's good at like setting the edge and making sure, but he's just way overplays. But that like, wasn't a tackle in space. If, that was just like getting wrong-footed. If you're this defense, uh-huh. nobody cares. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and if you're looking at this from the perspective of like, oh, we're going to the Ohio State game, what's most important given we have this defense and Ohio State has that offensive line? Yeah. It's don't be a freshman. Yeah. yeah. Don't blow something. Don't huge. don't give up a touchdown. Yeah. Like a deep ball. Like we can we can live with five to ten and an extra yards on right. a slip. Like YSU did when they actually looked competitive against Ohio State this <laughs> yeah. oh, we'll get to that in the Jamie segment. Thank you. Um so now we should probably move to special teams, clean that up. Turner didn't yank an extra point. I mean, yeah, so fine. It does feel like the punt return situation is a bit of a caretaker situation because the first half it was Jake Thaw again and then they went with uh, Morris. Tyler Morris. I'm, yeah, I'm in on Team Morris. Yeah, well, the thing is, is that <laughs> Thaw is supposed to be the guy who's out there to catch the punts, but sometimes he doesn't. Right. And there was a 40 yard punt that uh-huh. he let drop 10 yards in front of him, and I was like, okay, because he was 60 yards deep when he when it started. But that's part of the problem is you also have to line up in the right spot. And I understand that you're getting 20 yard punts and 50 yard punts and blah 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 blah. But like after a few of them. No, this, there was a 30-yarder, and I understand yeah. why I didn't feel that, but if there's a 40-yard punt, you have to feel there's, that. I understand what you're, what you're saying is there is a path to being the starting punt returner if you're a walk-on, but he that is fielding the right punts, knowing where to go yeah. all the time, never missing a catch, and... Yeah, you got to be Jabril Peppers without the athleticism. Right. Yeah. You just have to catch punts, and if you did that on this team, for the most part, I'm like, sure. Yeah. But balls start hitting ground, and I'm just like... Next. Next, yeah. Next, <laughs> I was. Next. I I thought that we had something there with Morris, and I think that yeah. that that could be going forward. He pretty. I mean, now if he starts like if they're going to play him a lot on offense, and he's going to get a bunch of targets, like maybe not Roman Wilson targets. He's not going to pass Cornelius Johnson, even if I want him to. But if like, they, but if, but they're, but if they'll start lining up three wide receivers a lot, and that becomes a thing, then you know we can kind of talk about it. But if that's the case, then you know who can return punts. Carmelo English, Donovan Edwards. I'm a little surprised they haven't tried that already. I mean, they yeah. can't get him the ball in any other creative way. Well, they had him back to return kicks uh, against ECU, yeah. and ECU like, well, never how many? Had any how many? Well, that's going to be a thing for quite a while. How many yeah. kickoffs are we going to return? We're going to get we're going to get punts more than kickoffs. Yeah, One, the opening second half kickoff. Michigan should just <laughs> stop returning uh, practicing kickoffs. It doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> you guys can't score anyway. Yeah. Uh, so the other thing that was notable on special teams is I think we have pretty definitive proof that Tommy Doman is just going to be a dude as a punter. It's just boom, boom, boom is what I wrote. Mm. Like, like he, there was the the penalty in the second half, and I was like, good, I want to see this again. <laughs> <laughs> we lost like, like 15 yards good. in that exchange. I don't care, but I was like, I want I want more sample size for Tommy Doman. Uh, is, is But that first punt, that goes up in the air, and it lands on the six, and there is no way to return Wasn't it. Wasn't there someone on Twitter who was like talking about one of those, and it was like, like a five? 5.6 hang time. Yeah. Just like, yeah. It's like, this? I mean, Brad Robbins was slandered by Jim Harbaugh this offseason was like, Tommy Doman is, is doing things I've never seen a punter do before. And I'm like, okay, not slander anymore. <laughs> so, and then his kickoffs are just like, no, no thanks. Except yeah. for the one against ECU, which that was bait. Yeah. That was, yeah, which is what, I mean, that was the, the Doug Fogue thing, right? Well, I mean, was, I was, but the hang time on that was even crazier. Our our seats were right by where like, that return was, and we were all yelling, return that, return that, yeah. please return that. I was like. Your boy Mullings had a nice return. 
Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's... got to the thirty. Another opportunity to uh, to hurdle a fool that was missed this game. Wow. Is Mullings the hurdle a fool guy? He's my he's those, my hope this year. Those guys, uh, you know, big big burly backs often do get to hurdle because defensive backs will try to take him out of the knees. Did exactly. The, did you see the Keon Coleman hurdle? Yes. <laughs> he yes, jumped he out cleared, of the screen. He cleared that guy up. by like a, another guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's running track. Flooring it down the sideline, jumps, leaves the screen, comes down on his feet, and just continues running. And you're like, what? Anyway. Former Michigan State receiver Keon Coleman was pretty good again this week. Boy, I bet he's happy he got out of there. <laughs> maybe, maybe, they all, maybe they all knew something. Maybe, he, maybe, maybe that's maybe like knew. the thing now to that's me. Is actually, like you're seeing, you're looking around and seeing everyone bolt, like Thorne and, and Coleman. And then like, didn't a corner leave? And you're like, oh, maybe they got it. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. Uh, that is uh, Morgan also had a kick return. Yeah, hey, looks fun. Put the ball in his hands. He's... Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just not a whole lot. To I mean, that's the thing. He had the catch down the field, and you're kind of like, okay, so for guys like him, or I, I don't know Moore's speed or or things like that, but like for Samaj Morgan, like you know, that's a good way to get him touches. If 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 you're not going to redshirt him, if you're going to redshirt him, great. Uh, they, but... they should redshirt him. They, I mean, yeah, they, yeah. they don't need him to to Because you got Mullings. And the NFL is not going to be like plucking him unless he's <laughs> no, need... ungodly as yeah. a receiver as well. So true. Well, but it is it is worth noting that he was targeted a downfield on the Denegal pass and he brought it in. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of these little gadget guys like Dennis Norfleet, like AJ mm-hmm. Henning are just Dennis not people Norfleet. you can tar- target downfield. Yeah. And hopefully that means he's not in that that box. Well, and they played English a little bit too and yeah, so he, all these guys yeah. are getting opportunities and they're they're I mean, they're going to need more receivers. They're going to need some of these freshman receivers to come through. We yeah, just, like one of those guys is probably not going to redshirt. We did yeah. not see Clemens, right? Uh, I remember he, seeing him. Uh, he got out there. Did he? Uh, you don't think he had a catch or a target? Yeah, okay. he was out there. But he wasn't he's, out there much. Maybe he's going to be the blocker this year. I oh. did have one more special teams thing. Joe Taylor on the gun. Oh, yeah. That was a great On the pump return. Well, oh, then, the, the, then yeah. the pump return where the one guy blows up the other one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of a wash. But, but yeah, those punts were 45 yards, and the ones that were returned, it's like the gunner's immediately going to get you, and a lot of them were just fair catches. So it's like, yeah. time, I'll, I'll be interested to see what happens if Michigan has like a 55-yard field goal opportunity. Also not probably, expecting a ton just of He's going to come in for that? I mean, I mean, if that, that has that's like what a, we talked about. Like an, like, where's the Doman line? If, if Turner, I mean, Turner did hit a couple of bombs in in week one, but I mean, where's the Doman line? The, the, there is 55? no line. They, those lines are so made up anyway. I've never figured out where they fifty-five. That's my that's right. my fifty-five. That's what Doman line. That's what I was thinking. All right, we're gonna take a break. Come back, talk to Jamie. Hey, fellow Michigan fans, this is Matt Demarest, Realtor and Lender. For a decade now, you've heard me on the podcast talk about mortgages, and I've helped hundreds of fellow Michigan fans in that capacity, including Brian and Seth. But many of you don't know I'm a real estate broker as well. I promise to make buying, selling, or financing homes simple and cost-effective anywhere in the state of Michigan. Whether you're upsizing, downsizing, buying a vacation home, or building a real estate investment portfolio, send me a text or give me a call. It's never too early to make a plan, and the call is always free. My number is 734-882-8194. Again, 734-882-8194. Or you can find me online at realtorandlender.com. That's realtorandlender.com. Whether you want to buy, sell, or finance a home, or even all three, I promise to provide the experience so many of you have come to expect over the years. And as always, thank you, and go blue. NMLS 1011726, Equal Housing Lender. 
Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. Here's a thing people say. Seth, tell me about your insurance. I'm actually glad you asked me about that because I just changed my insurance and I'm really happy I did. Let me guess. You use Phil Klein and Owen Rosen of the Phil Klein Insurance Group. They are MGO blog readers and they don't advertise during football games. And they've got a five-star rating on anything you would care to see. Call Owen at 248-682-7445 or visit them online at philkleininsurance.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom-printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle, whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up, and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734-945-9693. That's 734-945-9693. Jamie Mack of JustCoverBlog.com. How are you doing, Jamie? I'm doing well, guys. You asked me where I wanted to start. Let's start with Iowa, Iowa State, because only now have my eyes recovered from having watched that. Oh, my God. Cade McNamara, 12-22, 123 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception. Look what they've done to my boy. Yeah. They... Iowa State actually outgained Iowa 290 to 235 yards. <laughs> yeah. Iowa! Right. Oh. And not to, uh, not to channel... Uh, not to channel the local Ohio State fans in my neighborhood, but Iowa basically only had two plays. They had a they had a 69 yard run by the redshirt freshman Patterson that set up a field goal, and then they had a 35 yard pass down the seam to Luke Mache to Luke Lachey rather that set up a touchdown. You take those plays out, 
They only had 2.8 yards per play on their other 49 offensive snaps. You know what they had, though, Jamie? They had two different running plays. They They did. They did. You know, we talked earlier in this podcast about how, like, teams have to be outside zone. Uh, You know, you have to know what you're doing with outside zone. And, like, you have to have something besides outside zone. Iowa, for years, has not had anything besides outside zone. And you know what they did? They ran a power in this game. They pulled somebody. So they had a total of nine first downs in this game. Uh Uh-huh. That's that they won. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's it's well they had a defensive touchdown. Oh, Jamie, I got a question for you. Sure. Uh, Brian Ferentz gets the axe if Iowa does not score twenty five points a game. Do defensive touchdowns count? They shouldn't, but I bet they do because I, think <laughs> I they bet they do. Too. <laughs> They'd use any loophole to keep this guy around, right? <laughs> Defense is going to save Brian Ferentz's job and running power. That that big run, that big run was that was on a on a pole, right? Absolutely, absolutely, it was, it was. So there you go. Iowa, Kane has brought the Michigan to Iowa. It's only a matter no, of time. False. <laughs> yeah, Iowa has brought the Iowa to Cade. That's what's yeah, happening. right. Five point six yards a pop, and if you take out a thirty-five yarder to Lachey and then a twenty-three yarder to Eric All. He only had 65 yards on his other passing attempts. What, did, yeah. what were his yards per attempt to the wide receivers? You know, I don't have that broken down, but I do I do know that the tight ends combined for six catches and 90 yards. Six other Hawkeyes caught a ball, and none of those, only one of those receptions went over eight yards. <laughs> so that's a complicated way of saying not very high. <laughs> All right. Moving on, uh, the game of the week, according to Fox, was Nebraska versus Colorado. Uh, this was a nothing game until the end of the first half when Jeff Sims uh, decided he would be Santa Claus again uh, with fumbles and interceptions, and he just... <laughs> I think... All right, so I need someone to look up and find out who has the record. I was trying to do this yesterday. Who has the most career turnovers as a player so like your fumbles and your and your interceptions because like he's got to be getting there he's at 37 i think total and he's still got all this year left he might play i mean i i've never i've never heard of somebody having 50 turnovers in a career because normally once you get to the first 30 they'll bench you i mean i i was just yeah i had to feel really bad for the nebraska defense because they were real salty for about 40 minutes in this game mm-hmm. and then sort of the, the existential dread of playing opposite sims just dragged them down like right colorado was doing nothing in the first half they picked up 10 points completely off sims turnovers and you know on one on one hand i think this is probably pretty encouraging for for nebraska because through two games this year their defense looks vastly improved and the big problem is that their transfer quarterback just can't make decisions once you get someone who's halfway sane in that spot, they could be decent. Is, uh, yeah. don't, did they have so many great where, – where's Brock Purdy? Is he still in that roster? Chubba Purdy. Chubba Purdy. Chubba Purdy. Purdy is still on the team. Chubba. You got to turn to Chubba. I don't think Chubba Purdy is anyone's idea of a solution. I mean, he's not going to turn the ball over. Well, no. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he, he will. Yes, he will. Never yes, mind. Yes, he will. I'm sorry, Chubba. This is, that, was, that was my attempt. At least I got the name in the podcast. Yeah. They have eight turnovers on 21 offensive drives this year. And like as you mentioned, three apiece from Sims in each game. 
he had a 5% turnover-worthy play rate, according to PFF, in his two years at Georgia Tech, and he was considered turnover-prone. He's at 10% through two games. Oh, my God. At Nebraska. Yeah, that is – that's wild. And I just don't know if they trust Chubba Purdy um, or the uh, Heinrich Harburg kid that they talked about during the broadcast who hasn't thrown a pass yet in two-plus years. Um, but you just wonder how long they can – go with Sims if he keeps this up because it will it will impact the defense emotionally. I think it did I think it did yesterday. You know, I think the defense just finally gave up the ghost. They got tired of holding it together and through two games they're only allowing 4.8 yards per play. Nebraska's never been better than 5.3 in all their years in the Big 10. So there are signs of life on that side of the ball that I don't think we really expected before the season started. So I think the defensive tackles are still questionable, but there is definitely okay, but, a secondary on that team now. But yeah, I mean we're talking about Nebraska from last year, uh-huh. which was had one of the most pathetic run defenses I have ever charted. Like right. they just laid down, and that's not mm-hmm. that's not happening this year. And I think that's an encouraging sign. I mean, yeah. This is Nebraska football, right? Yeah. So there is an yeah. obvious solution to their problems. Run run the option. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they have this defense. Yeah. Sims is pretty athletic. Uh-huh. He came from Georgia Tech, right? center, so he doesn't have to catch So your, su- your solution to this problem is have Sims pitch the ball a Just lot. Stop passing. And and let, make lots of decisions. Like he like he, they need to go like full Denard with the offense. Where yeah. it's like I mean, we run we run the quarterback, we run the quarterback, we run the quarterback. He is going to pitch it to a linebacker for a pick for uh But that's not worse than the current situation. He's <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely a legit runner for sure. And uh, so he combined with the running backs yesterday, Irvin and Johnson, 38 carries, 207 yards. That's more than enough to control this game. Yeah, they just they just need to stop. Maybe that's why we didn't see Orgy this week. That like Hart was watching uh, watching the Nebraska Colorado game, like sees Sims, and he's like. Yeah, I don't want to. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. All right, moving on. One quick note oh, about the about the defense. They had eight sacks yesterday. The Nebraska defense. Well, I eight think sacks. I think that the Colorado offensive line is sketch. Like, yeah, yep. and you so can, are a lot of offensive lines in the Big Ten West. That's true, but they uh, you can put together some skill position players and kind of plug and play. You can't plug and play in OL. I think he was segueing us to Wisconsin. If I uh, we're actually segueing to Purdue twenty four, Virginia Tech seventeen. Hey, that's a Big Ten road win in the yeah. non conference. Now there's a huge storm that delayed this game considerably, so that obviously had some impact. Hudson Card, 23 of 34, 248 yards, no picks, no touchdowns. Devin Mockaby goes for 95 yards on 21 carries. That's a viable run game. Yeah. Uh, and they pick off Virginia Tech's quarterback a couple times. They completely destroy the Virginia Tech ground game. I'm talking like 50 total yards. I, I think Virginia Tech destroyed the Virginia Tech ground well, game. That was know, that was known going into the season about Tech, Tech's the in a, Tech's in a bad place. That's true. Yeah. But we're talking about Purdue. Right. Purdue won a road football game against a Power 5 opponent by rushing the football and playing defense. What's happening, everybody? Well, they hired Ryan Walters. The rushing stats, 179 to 11. And defensively, uh, Virginia Tech, uh, six drives in the second half, only netted 96 yards, 12.6 yards per drive, and they shut them out. The rain delay in this game was five and a half hours. Oof. Yes. That's a lot of old Tigers documentaries to watch. <laughs> <laughs> that is. That is. You know, the last time Brett Pry and Ryan Walters squared off, they're the two head coaches in this game, they were coordinators 
in that Penn State Illinois nine overtime game two years ago, and now they got this rain delay. Maybe these guys should avoid each other for a while. Uh, I have a I have a note from the AP story on this game. Purdue players spent much of the day delay playing spades or hangman. <laughs> that is, can you imagine playing hangman for five hours? <laughs> that's, yeah, right. Like, just give me Wordle over and over again for five hours. I guess <laughs> I, I want to go back to the spades thing because that's such a 1940s football player thing to be doing. That's like right. that's like what you know the 47 team did on the train on the way to the Rose Bowl is like played spades with each other. Well, apparently they gave Purdue the option to come back later in the season during their bye week, and they said, no, we, we would rather play tonight. And well, that makes like sense, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, uh, we... One note about Purdue. They've got two really good edge defenders, I think, in Kedron Jenkins and Nick Scorton. They have 22 combined pressures through two games. And they look actually pretty exciting on passing downs, which is another weird thing I didn't think I'd say. So, Yeah. Um... Moving on to Washington State 31, Wisconsin 22. Uh, and given everything that's happening in college football, I don't think that anybody except the teams that play these teams are not going to be rooting for Washington State and Oregon State this year. Oh, absolutely correct. And Washington State looked angry. <laughs> they, they, I mean, the, the fans were really – I mean, I love that the fans came out for this. I love that, like, you know – getting left behind and whatnot that the fans are just like we're going to show everybody how much of a college town this is and you know that that's not going to change anybody's minds because they're all just looking at spreadsheets the people who make these decisions Mm -hmm. but everyone who cares about college football had that game on last night and we're like just they're, they're, they knew exactly what was happening. And Wisconsin, I think, was just poor them at the butt end of this thing because they lost them last year. And now they've just been wazooed a couple times for everybody else's benefit. Well, I mean, one thing I saw on Twitter uh, was the reaction at Oregon State Stadium when they announced the score. Yeah. Which was. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, it was, it was emotional. Like, uh, you got to really feel for these fans who have just been ejected. Uh, and it'll never be the same for them again. And I just, it's extremely yeah. depressing that this is the way college football is going, where it's like we could. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. Um, Pac 12 after dark probably doesn't exist without those two programs. I'll do respect to some of the other teams in the league, but that's sort of the, those are the two quintessential programs. Oh, are you up late past midnight gambling on football? Oregon State or Washington State were almost always involved. Um, and I think everybody is pretty high on the Beavers this year that they could be a dark horse contender maybe for the Pac-12 title game. And it was nice to see that Washington State looks like they've got a good squad this year, too, because they they not only played lights out, but it looks like they've got they've got some really good players on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Oh, who was the uh, for for the Wisconsin perspective, though? So they bring in Luke Fickle. They discard their identity. Tanner Mordecai throws 40 times in this game, has 10 more rushing attempts, which are mostly either scrambles or uh, sacks. Ches Malusi and Braylon Allen have a total of 19 carries. Braylon Allen ca- carries the ball seven times. How many catches did he have, though? I remember they, they were just kind of getting them in the ball and six for okay. a total of 12 yards. Exactly. So there are two main running backs, 19 carries, 69 yards. Nice. But this, I mean, it feels wrong. It's a sin against college football for Wisconsin to not be Wisconsin, and I feel that they are being punished. Yeah, it just goes to show that 
kind of radical program identity changes are a lot easier on paper when people are writing about it in the offseason than they actually are in practice when you are going against an enemy on the field because they just looked ragged, especially from the start. They kind of picked it up a little bit, you know, in the third quarter. But, um, you know, and it's not just on offense, guys. You know, they've switched philosophies on defense, you know. Gone is the defense that put four linebackers on the field and just terrorized people. Uh, they are going with a, a new defense that puts more defensive backs on the field and puts the defensive backs in position to play. And I had this note, unfortunately, oh, I do have it right here. Last year, according to PFF, um, snap counts, number two, three, four, and six on the season were linebackers. In yesterday's game, for PFF snap counts, those linebacker positions were 5th, 8th, 12th, and 13th in snap counts. A couple of those are the same guys. Um, and that was a big story. Their defense was lost the whole first half against an offense with, with a pulse. They made some nice adjustments uh, out, of, out of locker room. But then in the fourth quarter, you know, the most important drive of the game, Washington State drove the field again on them. And, so. and I want to point this out again, too. I know I'm becoming the, the power advocate for the podcast all of a sudden, but they were running counters. They were running Wisconsin's base play all those years. They were Wisconsin right up their face. And now, oh, yeah. And they did that in the, the, the second la- the, the With the former game, Wisconsin the, running back for a second year in a row. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and obviously, like, they're head coaches from Wisconsin, they kept on mentioning that too, but it was um, I think that added to the feels. <laughs> like they're they're just showing Wisconsin what Wisconsin used to be and I mean it worked. It was, their their defense used to be amazing at that, right? They used to be because they, they would just fling a linebacker at you mm-hmm. and Michigan used to have trouble against Wisconsin that they wouldn't have with other teams because those linebackers would be uh, reading the guards and getting getting to the spot first and that wasn't happening this time. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, they were kind of the real linebacker you of the Big Ten uh, the last uh, 10 years or so and I mean, you could just they, they they stuffed the stat sheet with every possible havoc uh, stat you can mm-hmm. you can imagine. I, I think the talent is there on defense. So I feel as the season goes on, I think they're going to get a hang of this defense. But I do getting back to the top of the conversation, the offense. I do wonder if it's going to take more than a year uh, for it to work out. They talked all off season about how oh, hey, Longo's not going to forget about Allen and 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 uh, Chesma Lucy, and he obviously didn't. But they're not going anywhere with them. I mean, it just looks so they just look so off. The throwing the ball to Allen over and over again is weird. They said they wanted to get him 50 catches, and I guess they're really going to try to do that. But he was not open on any catch. If it was a screen pass, they had it blown <laughs> up. And if it was out on a quick pattern, he had a guy draped on him immediately. So for a new offensive look, that thing d- did not fool Washington State at all. Um Ohio State 35, Youngstown State 7. We usually skip these games. But this was 7-7 late in the first quarter. <clears throat> Kyle McCord, 14-20 for 258 yards, three touchdowns. Devin Brown doesn't look that good. Uh, Harrison and Igbuka get off the schneid. Harrison has a couple touchdowns. Igbuka won. Um, <clears throat> still, I mean, Ohio State favored by 46. Only scores seven points in the second half. Just kind of feels like a vintage Ohio State team puts up 70 in this game. Well, they, they uh, were not covering guys. Like, why – YSU 
I mean, the the reason why McCord finally hooked up with Harrison and like everybody could breathe a sigh of relief was because Harrison was completely uncovered. Like there was nobody on screen when the ball got to him. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I mean, sure, go ahead and score those, but. You know, YSU had a couple opportunities. It wasn't just, you know, they had an opportunity to, I think, go ahead at one point. And um, they're about to kick Ohio State off the field. And they just commit like a very soft uh, late yeah. hit out of bounds where the guy like already stopped and just kind of like runs into him with his back and they flag him for it because he goes, you know, embellishes it a bit. And I just felt bad for YSU at that point because they were, they just didn't have the athletes. Once the running back got in some space, he was just going to destroy them. But you could see how a team that had some athletes would have made that game a lot closer. Um, yeah, a couple things stood out uh, on offense. Considering they were playing an FCS team, I thought it was weird that uh, Harrison and Ubequa combined for. Nah. Well, they had 60 total snaps, and 19 of them were targets or touches to either of those two. I feel like that's a lot of usage against Youngstown, Youngstown State. Um, and then secondly, on defensively, Youngstown State, 7 for 15 on third downs. They had the ball for 34 minutes. You know, I know we're not big time of possession fans, but they kind of, especially in the first half, they got multiple first downs, it seemed like, on, on all their drives. And Ohio State safeties – when they were forced to uh, pick up a man because Ohio State was blitzing for some reason, they couldn't do it. And um, that's not a good sign (laughs) against Youngstown State for sure. And Notre Dame is looming in two weeks, and and they look really good. So that game is definitely – I think that game could suddenly go either way. I think that was clear from from the opening weekend, but yeah. Well, probably, probably. And you know what? Speaking of opening weekend, you know, I complained here last week that Indiana didn't try anything, especially passing. I was I was frustrated watching that yesterday. Youngstown State going over the top a few times in the first half. Come on, come on, Tom Allen. <laughs> uh, Kansas thirty four, Illinois twenty three. Uh, this was a bit of a shootout. Luke Altmeyer goes for 413 yards on 54 attempts, three touchdowns, but three interceptions. He also rushes for 139 yards. This is like a full-on Denard performance, except Denard never threw three picks in a game. <clears throat> and then Kansas has the craziest quarterback stat line I've ever seen. Jalen Daniels, 21-29 for 277 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. But wait, there's more. <laughs> This Bean guy, I don't even know his first name, goes 22-28 for 276 yards, two touchdowns, no one picks it. That is two quarterbacks going for over 275 yards. Ryan Walters and Devin Witherspoon are no longer in town. Jason Bean, by the way. Jason Bean? Jason Bean. (laughs) He played a lot lot last year when Daniels was hurt, and he played a lot down the stretch in 2021. Wait a minute. Is this real? This is real. They... They had a rush. They had those two quarterback performances. They had a guy rush for 200 yards, and they had a different guy rush for 100 yards? Yeah. What? I Ryan Walters is not home anymore. No, Illinois that, was this, like – This is not this possible. Was a, this, was, this was like a blowout game that Illinois made like the score look good at the end. No, I'm sorry. This has got to be wrong. It could be. I've got to- I've got them at the- I've got them at 539 total yards with 262 – Rush and 277 pass. 
the Bean Kid came in and played some, but I thought Daniels went more or less the whole okay, way. Okay, this is yeah. you're looking at a box score that duplicated something. I am uh, yeah. So it says okay. This is this box score is incorrect. <laughs> All right, that would have been the worst defensive performance in the history of football. Instead, well, this wasn't any better. This just wasn't giving that much up better. thirty-four points to Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the defensive collapse here in the early going is a big, big story. They did not look that good against Toledo, but they got enough stops to win the game. Uh, in this game, they did not get any stops. Kansas scored on touchdown drives of 94, 85, 82, and 75 yards. They also had three other drives of 45 yards or more. Through two games, Illinois is allowing 6.3 yards per play. That's 115th nationally. They were number two last year at 4.4, 4. and the big culprit is the, are the big plays. You know, that's a five-factor one of the five factors of uh, of winning. They've given up 37 plays of 10 or more so far this year. That's 18.5 per game, up from 10.5 per game last year. 25% of their plays this, plays this year against them have gone for uh, more than 10 yards. I mean, if, if you're getting 10 yards, one out of every four plays, why punt? And that's what Kansas thought the other night. Why punt? They didn't. They only did that once. So, But the, this is if this doesn't correct itself, this is going to be a long year three, and they've got Penn State up next. And, you know, they're, they, they, that's what they do. You know, they're kings of the big play. So, I mean, the craziest thing about this defensive performance is Illinois has a couple of like dudes at defensive tackle, and they just got wrecked. Yeah, Kansas. I know Kansas under Lance Leopold is actually decent, and they have a quarterback, but uh, yikes. Yeah, I, I was really surprised by the lack of physical play from Illinois Friday night compared compared to Kansas. That that. I, I mean, I really, I really was. I, I mean, I thought that at least they would be, you know, physical, uh, but they just kind of looked like the big S word, soft, the whole night. So it, was, <laughs> it was a bad performance. It was a bad performance. All right, our roundup of uh, absurd non-conference blowouts: Penn State sixty-three, Delaware seven, Michigan State forty-five, Richmond fourteen, uh, Indiana forty-one, Indiana State seven. Woo-hoo. Uh Minnesota 25 EMU 6 oh. Northwestern uh, we might want to talk about Northwestern 38 UTEP 7 what and then Maryland 38 Charlotte 20 uh do we have takes on any of these games or I mean you you can't not talk about Biff Pogie's arms cuz they were it was just <sighs> glorious watching him coach I I hope he goes he goes far top, and long right? huh yeah, wasn't he in a tank top, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he he uh he wears like what's well, not really a tank top? It's like worse than that. It's like a cut off. Like it's like a, a rip off. It's a sweatshirt where he rips the arms off. Yeah. <laughs> so this, I mean, other than that, it didn't look like. I mean, Charlotte got uh, their faces kind of blown in, except two Tungo Vailoa threw a couple picks really. So I don't think this really changes Maryland's season narrative that much. It's a little bit disappointing, but. Not anything outlandish. Just sometimes these things happen. They did gave up a couple of quick touchdowns, and then from there it was pretty much all them. Yeah, it was a little surprising how long it took them to dig out of that hole. Uh, they had to settle for field goals, I think, on their first three scores, and that's you know that that's that could be either early season drive stalling or maybe something that plagues them all year. But the final three quarters of the game, they outgained them 532 to 214. So the, this this was a blowout, as eventually the score did indicate. All right. Um, anything else in the uh, poo-poo platter that you want to address? 
No, not not really. Okay. Not really. The Minnesota game was typical of Minnesota against a group of five. They never cover those games. You know, and uh, I, I, it was a new clock rule game, too. There was, like, only eight possessions for each team. It went by like that. I do want to um, touch on Rutgers 36, Temple 7. Uh, Rutgers was favored by eight in this game, so this is a considerable overperformance. Kyle Mundungai uh, goes off for a buck sixty-five, and uh, Gavin Wimsat still not completing half his passes, so probably not really a threat to Michigan. That was kind of a weather game, like no. I, was it? I, I can't, I can't remember if it was a weather game or not. We had so many delays. <laughs> <laughs> this one, of actually, like it was I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm not going to lie to you guys. The Rutgers Temple game never. Never uh, made it on a screen, but you know what? To just wrap a whole bow about, around it, we talked about Virginia Tech, how far they have fallen. We might see how far they've fallen because that's who Rutgers plays next week. So if I, I'm I'm looking at this through the lens of like Michigan State bowl eligibility, if Rutgers is a little salty, that gets a, a little bit farther away. You I don't know. know. Mark Antonio's taking over that program uh, this week, so you know, they could definitely beat. Um, Indiana, and I'm thinking that Michigan State might be a mess whenever they play them. Um, and those are winnable games. And if they can beat Virginia Tech, I think their other non-conference game is pretty easy. That could be six wins right there. Rutgers bowl game. It's going to happen. Ryan, Can- well, I mean, Cannon in they, the D was that wasn't that the yeah. <laughs> He's definitely raised the competitiveness of Rutgers. And one thing that kept standing out during Alex's series on knowing that thy enemy, I was like, man, Rutgers is fifth. Rutgers is sixth. Wait, Rutgers is fourth. Now I know that eliminates a lot of the big 10 West teams, but you know, you were reading the defense, good in the trenches, but Rutgers is not playing those teams either. So Rutgers has a defense, man. They, they played well defensively last year too. They have, they have players on defense. They have a system on defense. That's what Shiano knows. I, I'm, with Brian as far as Wimsat being a major threat to anybody. No, yeah, he's no. not. Yeah, he's not really. Yeah. He's not really any good. I mean, as as dominant as their defense was, this game was 13-7. But all, all Wimsat has to they do do passing. is, like, not be the worst quarterback on the field against Michigan State. Possible. Uh, Possible. Might not be the worst quarterback against Indiana either. Definitely not, not against school. Indiana. He might not be the worst quarterback against Virginia Tech next week. Or a hot no, that's going far. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Jamie. We'll talk to you next week. Podcast. I'm Seth Fisher, along with Brian Cook and David Nasternak. Run power. Run power.